0: Welcome to Hooplecast. I am your host, Matt, and joining me are my co-hosts... Carol. Matt. Mel. And we have a guest today. The guest name is...
1: Steve.
0: You prefer Steve, <laughs> not Steven.
1: Steve. Good to my know. mother calls me Steven. Oh, hey. My mother calls me
0: Matthew.
2: <laughs> Aww. <laughs> my mother calls me Carol Jean.
0: Aww. Oh, I like that. Melanie? Uh, Mel- Melanie? Just Melanie. <laughs> Just Melanie. <laughs>
3: Just Melanie. Oh, that's awfully,
0: sure it's awfully boring.
3: You're named
0: Maddie. Mad- Maddie. Maddie. I've got a few friends that call me Maddie. Um I let them get away with it. It's not my it's not my it's not my favorite. But you I guess it's a little it. it's a little endearing, I suppose.
2: You no, know, it's sweet.
0: It's been a while, folks. Last time we chatted yeah. was November maybe?
2: No, really? That long ago?
4: Wow.
0: Yeah, we recorded on November eighteenth. And here it is February seventeenth.
4: Oof.
0: Oof, three months. I moved. We had Christmas, New Year, 2019, a happened. to a fantastic start. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, let me just say, say up front that one reason why the previous episode was delayed in its publication was that I went back through all of our Deadwood recordings and stripped out the background music, which turned out to be a huge project. Much took much longer than I anticipated that it taking.
5: And why is that?
0: The files are just – the project files are so big that when I try and open them in Audacity, like, it takes m- minutes to open
5: and then to yeah. shuffle I mean, through th- them
0: and uh, – yeah, what what do you
5: mean? I mean, why did you remove all stuff? Oh, why did
0: I do it? Um I've wanted to for some time because I never thought that the volume levels were quite right even though I would listen back to the recordings and it, it didn't feel like the music was too loud – it felt like it was at the right level. I still have people saying that it was too loud, so I thought, no, let's just go cleaner and strip out the the music. But I don't know if that's going to then uh, make the recordings full of, like, pops and ticks and, like, all the little noises in the background. Like, I, I like that the background music kind of obscured all of that, and now it's probably brought those kind of... Things to the surface, but I'm not going to go back and listen to all the podcast episodes to edit it some more. Like I, I can't keep going back to editing old stuff. Yeah. No. It's not a good use no. of my time, but I think it's overall without the music, it makes for a more pleasurable listening experience. I hope, and I hope people find the podcast now that the movie's going to be coming out.
2: Yes, very exciting. Yeah, so did, then, we,
5: did, we, did we always know that's not going to be a theatrical movie?
2: I never expected that it would be. Oh, yeah! I always thought it was going to be a TV movie.
5: I I wanted it to be theatrical. It'd be easier for me to um, to find it. Like I don't have HBO.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure you will be taken care of.
5: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll find a way to make it work. the The question is, how do we how do, how do we approach the, covering the movie? Because if a typical episode took us three hours to talk about. <laughs> What's a two hour movie gonna be like? Do we record it in two parts? Do we just say, Okay, block out your entire Sunday, we're gonna we're gonna be at this for six hours. No. Or like how do we maybe the feedback is in like we record that two weeks after we record the main podcast? Like I don't I don't know quite how we're gonna have to approach it.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't think we like yeah. I don't know if we need to spend six hours on talking. No. Like, we don't. We don't.
0: Mm, I think Carol's putting her foot down. We don't. We (laughs) might though.
3: (laughs) Oh yeah. Sometimes that happens. I'm glad you're putting your foot down, Carol, but yeah, sometimes that does. Sometimes it's
0: you, Carol. Sometimes (laughs) it's you that takes us on tangents and keeps us here.
2: (laughs) Only occasionally, only occasionally, but I, I do. I, you know, mea culpa. Um, but I actually was wondering if, um, any of us wanted to, um, do a, uh, like a separate recording of as we're watching it uh, I think type thing.
0: I think we should do a commentary track. Yes.
2: Yeah. I don't know if we all want to do it together or we want to do it separately or what.
0: I think we sh- we should try and arrange to do it together. Mm. And no. then and then I would have to I'll have to rewatch it and take extensive notes. Yeah. And oh, then yeah. I'm going to have to do some research. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So all of that's going to take time to put together. So if we can watch, do the commentary, I could release that pretty much after the the thing airs. Right. Then that's something to put in the feed while our subscribers wait for the full discussion podcast. And then I'm thinking that it would be best to do an episode where we talk through the through the movie, and then maybe a week later, an- another episode where we do things like our quotes, our character rankings, the feedback segment, like all the kind of like extra stuff.
4: Mm, that sure. might
0: that might be like the best way. So it would be almost like a three episodes week c- of content we could get out of this thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't want to yeah.
0: half-ass it because this is going to be the last new Deadwood thing we're ever going to get. So I don't want to. I don't want to just do Not it like you know. it's like it's nothing. Right. That
2: Not you know. No, and- and you never, when you do a commentary, you never really get everything because people are talking over stuff and all of that. So I definitely would want to watch it at least one other time before talking about it.
0: Right. Same. Yeah. Okay.
2: Unless we it's a piece
0: of shit. Stuff, <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's a piece of shit, it, yeah. it might be, but I don't think that it's going to be. It. I, it might feel completely unnecessary.
2: The cast but, seemed pretty excited about it.
0: Well, that's good, but sometimes the cast is excited about it, and it turns
3: out
5: like garbage. Maybe it'll <laughs> just maybe, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Maybe that'll just be them all hanging around the bar, just complaining about their various old person ailments.
4: Oh
0: <laughs> could be. That's probably. I, I don't think we're in for another Twin Peaks: The Return scenario. I, just, <laughs> I just don't. And right up front, I just want to plug uh, somebody else's podcast that I started listening to. It's called The Musical Man. And it's by John Pernicek, who did How Rude, and has been on Ramjack several times. And I told him I would plug his podcast because uh, I donated to his Patreon. He's like, thanks thanks for becoming a monthly Patreon supporter. And I'm like, ooh, I wasn't going to keep renewing. Um, (laughs) But I will plug your podcast uh, because it's really enjoyable. Every week he breaks down uh, one of the uh, nominees for the Tony Award for Best Musical. Nice. And I I like some musicals and some I don't like. But he talks about the plot. He plays clips from the songs. Talks about certain highlights from the from the score. And then at the end of the recording, spins the musical carousel, which is just a number random number generator to pick another uh, musical from the list of Tony. Musicals, um, But if you are a Patreon supporter, you can stop his musical carousel and pick one musical that you would like him to cover. And I wanted him to cover Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark because I heard it's just awful, but it wasn't nominated for the Tony Award because it was awful. So instead, he's going to be talking about my pick, Caroline or Change, in like two weeks.
4: Oh, cool.
0: Yeah, it's from uh, Tony Kushner, who did Angels in America. Oh. Very kind of... A real atypical kind of musical anyway um so check that out it's called the musical man and it's it's a little it's just a little bit raunchy like um how rude the full house podcast is totally not safe for work or list. don't play that with your kids in the car but this this retains a lot of his humor but it's uh less raunchy i would say Anyway, I just want to plug that right at the top of the podcast. Um, let's get into some uh, network news, because it's been three months, so I've got a lot to talk about. A lot of projects coming up that we'll be, we'll, we'll be covering on this podcast, eventually. First one's called The Plot Against America. It is from David Simon, who did The Wire, and Treme, and The Deuce, and this is a miniseries based on the Philip Roth book, The Plot Against America. It is a series that imagines an alternate American history told through the eyes of a working-class Jewish family in New Jersey as they watch the political rise of Charles Lindbergh, an American aviator, hero, and xenophobic populist who becomes president and turns the nation towards fascism.
2: Oh.
4: Whoa.
2: <laughs> oh, so, okay. So it's the idea of Lindbergh having become president. Interesting choice.
0: Yeah, I don't know anything about Lindbergh. So th- he,
2: Yeah, he was... He be he was a Nazi sympathizer.
0: Oh, was he? Okay.
2: Yeah, Yeah, he was an American icon. He was one of the most popular people in America for a long time because of the flight, you know, over uh flight across the Atlantic. Uh first solo flight across the Atlantic and he was a huge hero and but he became a Nazi sympathizer. <laughs> so, he became and,
3: or was he already like kinda racist
2: anyways? Well I mean I don't know whether he was racist, or, I assume, probably. But probably. he uh, but he became a, a hero and an icon before the rise of the Nazis. Because so, it was like the 1920s when he did the flight across the Atlantic. His last name sounds Jewish.
5: <laughs> it's not? Well,
2: not sp- no, it's I've... not
5: spelled in the typical way.
0: It's because it's no. got a G-H in it.
5: Oh, that's uh, so no. was German then, probably.
0: Yeah, he was
3: German. Yeah. Um, all, I, all I know about him is the the whole Lindbergh baby
2: thing. Right, that's another thing that happened to him.
0: Yeah. Right. So this sounds a lot like Man in the High Castle, alternate American history. Kind of like if that's about like what would happen if America lost World War II, this is, this is very in that same vein. So anyway, uh, next program, uh, The Outsider. HBO has ordered to series The Outsider, a drama based on Stephen King's 2018 novel that will star Emmy winner Ben Mendelsohn. The drama centers on seemingly straightforward investigation into the gruesome murder of a local boy, which ultimately leads a seasoned cop and an unorthodox investigator to question everything they believe to be real as insidious supernatural forces edge its way into the case. Mendelssohn will executive produce the series alongside Ozark star Jason Bateman, who is slated to direct the first two episodes. No word yet on whether King will have any involvement with the project. Hmm. I went through a phase where I read, like, lots of Stephen King books, mm-hmm. and I haven't read anything from him in a very long time. So I have no idea how this fits in his storied career. Like, is this one of his better books, worst books? Who knows? I don't know.
5: I don't think I've ever read any of his books. I've listened to, like, a radio play. of.
0: You've listened to, like, audiobooks,
3: haven't yeah. you?
0: Yeah.
5: Not audio books, like a radio play adaptation. And I've seen movies, of course. And Alan Wake always says he loves Stephen King. <laughs> I've been playing yeah.
0: Have you been replaying that?
5: Yes, on my new computer. Yeah.
0: Mm.
2: And I
5: just remember they're going to turn it into a TV, uh, TV show. Oh, that's right.
2: I think I've only read one of his books over the years because don't like horror. But I read, uh, oh, the one the TV show was was on um, oh, the guy that would see the future when he looked at Oh, The Dead Zone? The Dead Zone. Yeah, I read that book and uh he's a good writer no two ways about that but um yeah
0: and funnily enough i found a review of the miniseries mildred pierce that we're going to be talking about and the review was written by stephen king and he says in the review it's too long says the guy who has written several doorstopper novels <laughs> he's like i'm <laughs> fully aware of the uh, of i shouldn't be saying this but it's too long <laughs> I think my favorite Stephen King book is probably uh, Dolores Claiborne, which is not horror at all.
3: Hmm. I don't think I've ever read that
0: one. Have yeah. you seen the movie with nope. Kathy Bates? No. Oh, it's really good. I've
2: never, I've never even heard of it.
0: I recommend it. Uh, I, the book is the book and the movie are a little bit different, but yeah, see the movie at least.
3: Does he, does he like write a book per year, or is it like he's got like a pretty regular? publications doesn't he
0: he does i don't know how
3: yeah like that's i feel like most of his books are like kind of similar anyways like there's always a writer <laughs> you know? Yeah, there's always an
0: alcoholic writer
3: not right. always but Often. Mm, yeah you write what you know i guess
0: <laughs> yeah jean-marc Vallet, director of big little lies has lined up another hbo project it is a adaptation of the memoir gorilla and the bird by zach mcdermott it's described as an inspirational tale of a mother's unconditional love for her bipolar son zach fights to regain his sanity after a devastating psychotic break turning to the only person who didn't give up on him his mother once a highly successful public defender for the legal Aid society of new york zach's sudden illness takes him on a harrowing journey of delusions and antisocial behavior leading to his eventual arrest and commitment to bellevue hospital gorilla and the bird
4: you you
5: always tell me about so many things i've never heard of
0: (laughs) I you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) The Americans alum Matthew Reese has signed on to star in the Perry Mason limited series currently in the works at HBO. The project was originally put into into development in 2016 with Robert Downey jr. Set for the lead role. However, it was announced last year that Downey jr.'s feature schedule would prevent him from starring in the series. So Matthew Reese from the Americans will take over in his stead in the lead role. Reese's Perry Mason is described as being at a time in his life when he is living check-to-check as a low-rent private investigator. He is haunted by his wartime experiences in France, and he is suffering the effects of a broken marriage. The series will be set in 1932 Los Angeles. Based on characters created by Earl Stanley Gardner, this limited series follows the origins of American fiction's most legendary criminal defense lawyer. When a child kidnapping case breaks down his door, Mason's relentless pursuit of the truth reveals a fractured city and just maybe a pathway to redemption for himself.
2: So, Perry Mason started out as a, a um... Private detector? investigator? I guess so. That's, I would have never guessed that. I was waiting for them to say, you know, that this was a young, sexy Perry no. Mason. Oh, I was just like No! I'm just waiting for that to, it's like, please no. But. Don't do
3: it, don't do it!
0: Yeah, well, really. Mm, I was gonna say that. Hopefully, Matthew Reese is not listening to this podcast because you just called him not young and not sexy.
2: No, I don't know. I I don't know what the guy looks like. I know nothing about him. I was waiting for in the description them say that, but I I really have no idea what the guy looks like. So He's no, I Perry,
3: Mason, Perry Mason shows up to court shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
0: oh, it's hot. It's just hotter in this, this courtroom. Oh man. Just, just justice just makes me so hot. I got to take this, take this <laughs> suit off.
3: He like slowly unbuttons his shirt. <laughs> loosens his tie. <laughs>
4: yeah, I didn't just I didn't pink. know
0: he was a uh private investigator. I'm getting Philip Marlowe vibes from this.
2: Yeah. I I I'm ca- now I'm kind of curious as to whether that's actually the Perry Mason, you know, origin story or whether they're just making this up out of thin air to get it to be you know i don't know to like what was the Otto preminger quote about uh about uh when he was making oh the movie about the the foundation of israel and he was and it was like this award-winning book and all of that and he said don't worry we'll fix it
4: Hmm.
0: yeah and i have no i'm not familiar with perry mason (laughs) like i remember
5: being on tv
2: yeah it was played by adam burr
5: how old is it like I thought it was like a 20s or 30s thing or but I guess I, mean,
2: I know the TV show was on like in the late 50s and 60s or so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was it was they, Was it also
0: a radio play? It seems like a lot of these were radio I, series yeah. before they became yeah. TV. Show. Yeah. So I don't know, yeah. maybe them in the novels he started off as a uh,
2: Yeah, it's possible. as a
0: private investigator. Perhaps this will be like HBO's Sherlock, where they do a limited run every couple of years, and we'll see him catch up and become a an attorney at some point.
1: Anyway, uh,
0: we talked before about the Sopranos prequel movie, The Many Saints of Newark, and it was announced a few weeks ago that Michael Gandolfini, son of the late James Gandolfini, will be playing the young Tony Soprano what? in the prequel movie. Oh, okay. He says... It's a profound honor to continue my dad's legacy while stepping into the shoes of a young Tony Soprano. I'm thrilled that I'm going to have the opportunity to work with David Chase and the incredible company of talent he has assembled for The Many Saints of Newark. Alan Taylor's directing the movie for New Line. The cast includes Corey Stoll, Billy Magnuson, John Bernthal, Alessandro Nivola, and best of all, Vera Farmiga. Ah, sweet. Very interesting. The film will be set during the Newark riots in July 1967, when the acrimony between African-Americans and Italian-Americans became lethal, as 26 people died and hundreds were injured in New Jersey's largest city.
2: Mm. Yeah, I remember that.
1: I'm sure uh, Michael Gandolfini will be treated like royalty on set, which is probably true to the Soprano character. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Mm. I guess um, he's an actor of that he's been in stuff. So I'm hoping you that in I've, never, I've never seen him in anything. Hmm. But maybe you know, uh, fingers crossed. Who knows? Right. right. It's more important that the Deadwood movie is good than this movie.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just I, it's it's weird. I I hadn't really. It just seems strange that they're placing it in Newark. But okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then, lastly, I'll I want to bring your attention to an upcoming miniseries called "Mayor of East Town." Mayor M A R E. Mayor of East Town. That is because Mildred Pierce star Kate Winslet is starring uh in the role, the lead as the lead character. Winslet's first television role since two thousand and eleven, when she won an Emmy for playing Mildred Pierce. And the show is about a small town Pennsylvania detective who investigates a local murder at a time when her own life is crumbling around her.
3: Okay. So did you say M A R E or M A Y O R? You said mayor. F- former. M- like, a I said M-A-R-E. like a horse. Like a horse,
0: I guess.
3: Yeah. Yeah. A horse. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> she. She gonna turn into a centaur? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I. Find-
1: It might be her character name, so just like Mildred Pierce is her character name.
2: Mare. Or it could be, you know, about horses.
0: But it's not. But it could be. (laughs) I'm
2: very
3: confused. Let's move on. (laughs)
0: All 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 I can think about is the Millennium episode where there was a guy killing horses and Frank Black was thinking that it was like he was about to cross over from killing horses to killing people. Yes. So maybe that's like this. Maybe there's, there's some sort of like animal abuse, but that's like the red flag that where she's like, I gotta, she's piecing stuff together. Maybe. The pathology, I don't know.
3: We're going to see a lot of dead horses, which is
0: what you saying. Maybe. Or maybe she's a centaur.
2: Yes. I feel I like there needs to
0: be a little bit more to, maybe, to that plot to make it worthwhile, but...
2: Or maybe it's all about racehorses and stuff.
0: Could be. We'll be talking about racehorses very soon when we cover the show Luck. But first we're going to talk about Mildred Pierce. Pierce is a five-part miniseries based on the novel by James N. Kane. It was adapted by Todd Haynes and Jonathan Raymond. They did the teleplay, and the director is Todd Haynes. And it aired March 27th, 2011. And someone is going to have to... Uh, that's wow, that's... It seems like it's spinning really fast. I don't know why. Oh,
4: I it's forgot. About, I always forget about this
0: part. Yes. Okay. Well, I spun the random wheel here and Matt has sixty seconds to summarize oh. the plot of the first episode of Mildred Pierce. If You're he goes there. over a minute, he loses. If he goes under, he is a chump. I believe. Wow. This is a segment, of course, that I stole from the Ramjack podcast, which has then been recycled on Intro to X, Calavici Fashion Cast, and their new podcast that I appeared on last week, The Village Fashion Center. Which is a fashion podcast about the TV show The Prisoner?
5: <laughs> Except they don't—they don't do the the recap, do they?
0: Yeah, they do. They do.
5: Did they? Yes. What What was the thing they they excised? Oh, ratings.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, they don't yeah. do ratings any longer. But
2: yeah. it's a fashion podcast about The Prisoner. Yes. yes. So they talk about the clothes. Yes. They do the plot and, and the clothes. Pretty delightful. The- they, okay. they,
5: they mostly recap the show, but the, anytime they notice some fashion that they like, they'll bring it up. Or, or that, or,
0: that, they, or don't that like. they don't like. Okay. Yeah, and then they have a segment, Best Dress, Worst Dress.
2: Oh, okay. Just, just the, fir- the clothes are not the first thing I think of about The Prisoner, that's all. I was just like, huh? What? Well, they did the okay. same
5: thing for Quantum Leap before, so. <laughs> yeah,
2: yes. <Yeah. laughs>
0: all right, Matt,
2: ready?
5: Okay. All right. Counting you down. Three, two, one, go. I don't know how I'm going to fill this. Um, so <laughs> Wasting time. Mild- yeah, I'm going to have to waste time. There's not much. Uh, <laughs> Mildred is making some pies and stuff, and her husband's like rushing through his chores so he can go see his mistress, and then she's like, get out. So he gets out. And then we're introduced to her children, one of which is terrible, a terrible classist. Um <laughs> Who doesn't realize she's actually middle class, I guess. And, uh, and then, uh, Mildred's like, uh, she tries the dating scene, uh, a little bit and doesn't really like it, uh, I guess. And, uh, she starts applying for jobs, kind of. Sometimes she doesn't take them or she just like decides not to, or there's none available. I think it's the depression. Um, <laughs> and then she and then and then she gets a waitress job and she hates it, and her daughter's still terrible, and uh yeah, and she barfs done
0: <laughs> <laughs> one minute, six seconds <laughs> pretty
4: close.
0: Uh, you didn't need all the uh, the vamping at the beginning. You would have been fine. Uh,
3: you could take off like uh, like at least two seconds for me talking in there.
0: <laughs> uh, it's still a loss, so y- y- you get the loser music. <laughs> uh... Okay. So, <laughs> I didn't know what this was when I started to watch it. Neither did we. I thought it was going to be a little campier, a little arch. Is that the word? It... I didn't know what it, what the point of it was, so I kept watching it, <laughs> hoping that it would get to one. I don't know. Or, yeah, get to one. So I finished all five episodes. Nice. <laughs> so you must have enjoyed it. I, yeah, I enjoyed it, but I wanted to know. I thought something big was going to happen. Something explosive would happen. And it, it seemed like at the very end, like it was going to, and then it didn't. But the movie w- version of this had a murder subplot at the yeah. end.
5: And this isn't. Is and this is just the day a day in the life of a homemaker?
0: Well, it becomes a little more complex. It, it there's a time jump after the third episode. When the daughter is much older. Uh, is I she, don't know it,
5: does she get even worse? Oh yes. yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to keep watching that. I hate her. <laughs>
5: oh, but, she, but, she's but, she, awful. but but whatever she does is endearing to her mother. Yeah, she's I like, don't understand. She's like that. making fun of lower class or poor people or whatever. And then her, her mom's like, Oh, you're so precious. And like hugs her and kisses her or whatever.
0: Yeah. It's like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, her mother does say, and, and I'm glad I didn't have to do the 60 second summary because I wasn't sure where certain things having watched all five episodes, like what's in what part. Mm-hmm. But there is a scene and it could be in part one, it could be in part two, where she's saying, at least she admires the, th- that Vita has a fire in her.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because
0: whatever Vita had, like she, yes, Mildred she thought that, that in episode, in episode one. Yep. You've just got to take this job.
3: I know it. I can't.
6: But I've got to. And if you've got to, you've got to. So quit balling, Hmm? Lucy, promise me one thing. P- promise? You won't tell a soul. Well, I won't even tell Ike. No, no, I, I don't care about Ike or any of these people. What they think. It's on account of the children. The chance of them finding out. I just, I just can't have them knowing anything about it. Vita, in particular. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vita, if you ask me, has some funny ideas. You don't understand her, Lucy. <sighs> no, she has something in her that, that I thought I had. And now find I don't. Pride or, or nobility or whatever it is. That pride? Oh, I wouldn't give a snap of my
7: finger for it, but you're right about her. They wouldn't do it
6: herself, but she's willing to let you do it and eat the cake. That's what I want. For both of them. Not just bread. All the cake in the world.
0: She's, at least, she's like, I thought I had that fire... And yep. it, and I don't. So, at very least, my daughter has this, and I don't want to stamp it out. Yeah, but it's not good. Oh, it's not. <laughs> no, she, she's not. She's awful.
2: <laughs> I, I was aware of the movie. Um, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I saw it years ago, uh, but long enough ago that i I don't remember it very well. I mean, I know that. Um, you know, what's her name? Won an Oscar for it, Joan
3: Crawford. Joan
2: Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> It was, you know, a huge thing in her career and such. But um, I wasn't really looking forward to <laughs> seeing it as a series. To be honest, I was like, "All right, well it it wasn't the kind of drama that ever really um, attracted me very much." So um, yeah, it I wasn't all that thrilled about what it turned out to be.
1: So I did. I did my research for this the show i watched all five parts of the miniseries and i watched the 1945 film
4: nice
1: uh and i managed to get a copy of the book i went to my local library and uh rented a copy of it just to, just to see the comparisons and the cool. so the 1945 film it's uh like matt said they they throw in uh, a murder mystery I guess uh they do that right at the beginning and then there's like flashbacks for the rest of the film. And I guess that's to really hook you in. It's a it's much more like film noir style. Um but it, it kind of goes off the rails. It, it it doesn't follow the book. The miniseries now, the the five-part miniseries does closely follow the book, even using um uh, all the original dialogue. So all the all the dialogue is, is like straight out of the book. Um but uh, I I feel like I'm ready to both defend and attack this miniseries.
2: <laughs> Interesting.
1: Um, so what my, I
0: read was first of all, you don't get extra credit for watching the movie. Just so you
2: <laughs> uh, I think he I should. should. I really do. Yeah, we didn't do that. All of this work we did. we're gonna for, we're gonna from, have
4: to, From gonna what, what I read, it.
0: is that the, the there was a censor code at the time. Yep. Um, employed by Catholics, of course, who basically said that like the, the twist or that maybe it's not really a twist, but the ending of the book was too scandalous. So they made it a murder.
4: Hmm? Yep. Yeah.
1: yeah the, uh, the movie is rated PG, right? And it's, it's kind of old Hollywood. It's got some really, really strange dialogue to it. Um, and yeah, the, it it's not good. It, this mini series it, it it's deserving of a remake. So this mini series puts it in proper light. Um So yes, but it is a meaty role. The the Mildred Pierce role, the the titular role, is meaty. So I I can understand why Joan Crawford won, and I can understand why Kate Winslet won because it it is she's in. I don't know if you realize she's in every scene. Um, maybe not every shot, but every scene. She was on set every day for you know the filming of five plus hours of content. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah now that you so, mentioned yes, yeah, she is.
1: You're
5: saying it's deserving of a remake. What, why is that? What's special about this story? I didn't get it from the first episode. <laughs> uh, and you wouldn't. <laughs> that's yeah. A, that's
0: <laughs> so I think we can be a little spoilery.
1: Yep, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, it is a, a mother-daughter relationship, but you wouldn't know it from the first episode because they're, they're hardly on screen with, at
5: the same time. I kind of got with the last
1: shot. I was like, oh, is, yeah. there's going to be consequences of her taking this waitress job. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's been described as um, like a, the Great Depression story for the middle class. But they quickly move out of the middle class you know, with, by you know, part three. They're, they're quite wealthy or they appear quite wealthy. Um, from that waitress job? <laughs>
0: well, she's plucky. She's one of these plucky heroines who takes what she learns from the waitress job and, and sees an opportunity to start her own restaurant. Ah. She uh, sees that most of the patrons are ordering chicken. And although they have a large menu, they're, they're, not, they're not selling as much as they just sell chicken. And she <laughs> sees the waste that gets thrown away. So she's like, what if we just sold chicken? Yeah. So she opens a chicken franchise and she sells chicken and waffles. Oh. And her her homemade pies. Nice. And then after opening her first restaurant, she opens another. And then she opens another. So she opens at least three restaurants and really becomes a a businesswoman. A um yeah, a small businesswoman.
5: And then her daughter doesn't
1: like what? Her, her daughter's always wanting more. I, I think that's what you're supposed to understand is no matter what, how how much this Mildred bends over backwards to get what her daughter wants, her, her daughter's always wanting more. And it's just like um, – I guess it's the story of the, uh, the American dream. You're, you're, you're always trying to achieve um, some um, unattainable goal. Um, yeah. You
0: know. yeah, she's a leech, her daughter.
5: Does she like – when the time skip happens, is it like, is her daughter grown up and does she leech onto like uh, somebody else after, at that point? No. no, no,
0: she's, she does at one point fake a pregnancy of uh, yes. a rich, a rich family. Um, and the, the, the mother of the, of, of the son who we never really see the son um, is actually the woman that she interviews for as a, as Mildred interviews for uh, oh. as the, when she interviews, goes to that maid job. Yeah, and, and then it's like I can't with this, which right. is the first of many scenes in which Mildred is like I can't, it's too much, <laughs> and that's when I went on Facebook and wrote toughen up, Mildred.
4: <laughs> but
0: <laughs> so the daughter, yeah, she fakes a pregnancy. She and and Mildred's like, well, you you got pregnant, you're gonna have to to marry this guy, and the and the daughter's like, actually, mother, I would rather just have the money, and that's when Mildred's like, are you even pregnant? Oh my god, you're not even pregnant. <laughs>
8: Wow,
2: a lot of the the movie is coming back to me now. Certain <laughs> scenes in the movie, but yeah, I had remembered it as being that kind of a a story. Now, um, in the
5: end, in the end, does she ruin her mother's business in her whole life?
0: She very nearly ruins her mother's business because her mother tries to. Well, she keeps her on, you know, uh, financially, even though at this point her daughter could pay her own way she's still trying to keep her daughter in a high society style and custom and she ends up kind of taking money away from her own business Hmm. well worse i mean not worse but also uh, an obstacle for mildred is the guy pierce character the the guy that she meets in episode two and he also ends up being a leech on her he he's much like vita in that they uh they both can spend money, but they don't know anything about the value of work. So he she ends up buying a very expensive house in Pasadena f- for him. Terrible. Yeah.
5: Mildred does is just ever, lonely.
0: It, I mean that's that's a lot of it is that she's just she seems lonely and, and desperately wants affection.
5: Does she ever get to win?
0: Yeah, she no. wins. I think she wins, yeah. I don't that, think she wins. <laughs> she gets back together with her first husband and then He's He tells her of their daughter, Dad, to hell with her. And Mildred's like, yeah, to hell with her.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I found that ending very much like uh, Chinatown, where, you know, it's <clears throat> forget it, yeah. Jake, it's Chinatown. Yeah. yeah just, a
3: lot of people don't like endings like that. I'm <clears throat> <laughs> mad. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, the Guy Pierce gets introduced in part two, right? And, and I found part two to be a much better episode than part one um there's there's more uh, acting range from Kate Winslet from uh, extreme pleasure to extreme pain um so if you if you want some good acting part 2 is the the one to watch and then it's a bit of a slog until you hit like the last twenty minutes of part five, where you you really kick into like film noir type style with um, with Vita being this this the leech right the leech character just yeah. just really she's a she's described as a snake and you you see that uh, in part five. So uh, Vita is played by Rachel Evan Wood in parts four and five, the last two parts. And of course, we know her from uh, Westworld.
0: She's actually Evan Rachel Wood. Evan
1: Rachel. Oh, I got yeah. a mix-up. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, great performance by her. I, I I love her chewing the scenery in this, especially in that final scene or penultimate final scene where she's. Uh, this is the scandalous ending. She ends up sleeping with the guy Pierce character, basically doctor, her right? mother's her mother's husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the daughter sleeps with their mother's husband.
3: Gross.
1: but it it's all it's not carnal it's totally calculated like she had this planned out and it was it's it, it's disgusting on multiple levels mm. like the just the level of villainy
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah she lets herself be caught in bed and then stands up naked in front of her mother and, and walks around like a real villain you know sort of this is me and all my naked glory mother <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow! Uh,
0: yeah, she's a real piece of work. That Vita sounds like it.
3: Well, you know, we had a bad feeling from her even as a child. So <laughs>
5: her putting on that fake accent,
3: oh, God,
8: <laughs> Mother dearest,
3: <laughs> I just came back from my piano lessons. Mother,
5: <laughs> I never spoke. I never taught you to speak like that. <laughs> oh, the worst,
8: Mother, where's Father,
6: he had to go somewhere. Now, please, dear, come sit down. Then where
2: and are his ch- clothes?
6: He's gone away. Where to? I don't know.
8: Is he coming back?
6: No, no.
5: But why? Why has he gone away?
6: I can't explain it all this instant. Someday you... Girls will understand what's important to know is there's nothing to worry about.
8: But Daddy's gone? Oh. Oh,
6: all oh, right dear.
8: Hey. I just wanted to know why his
6: clothes were gone. Oh, darling, don't worry. You know, you know your father thinks the world of you girls, but he, he didn't want to say goodbye because he... He didn't want to upset you or worry you. But it's not his fault. It's, it's no one's fault. It's simply due to things that...
8: that happen. All right? Hmm? If you mean Mrs. Peterhoff, Mother, I quite agree. I think she's distinctly middle class.
6: <laughs> oh, Vita... Darling, what would I do without you girls? My beautiful, lovely, lovely girls.
4: Oh, cut the mush.
1: (laughs) So there wasn't much that I liked in the first uh, episode. I mean, the the best scene, uh, the the juiciest scene with the, the most amount of acting is the opening scene where... Mildred and her husband Bert are having that spat. And that's, that's real, real a lot of good dialogue, real, real meaty uh, dialogue. Uh, and it felt real. It felt uh, a little too real. Like I've had that conversation before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Sorry. You know, so, right off the bat, I, it made me feel uncomfortable, which I think maybe is the point, right? To get you in a, a space um, that, hey, you are now in uh, this. Uncomfortable situation, the same as Mildred. And what would you do in this situation? You, you find yourself a, a single mother with two children during okay. the Great Depression. yeah, And yeah. you don't have a job. You're you're kind of screwed.
5: Yeah, I kept expecting him to hit her. I'm glad he didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, she she never gets uh, smacked around. And I kind of thought that that was going to happen at some point. That if it wasn't Bert, it was going to be Wally. And if it wasn't Wally, it would be... Guy Pierce character, whose name I can't remember. The
3: employment agency lady, the the
0: lady
3: in the mansion.
5: It's very stereotypical of that era for the
1: the TV husband to beat the TV wife. Mm -hmm.
5: And it doesn't happen.
1: I I did uh, fear that the miniseries was out to prove that men are evil, like all men are evil. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, they're... They're not outright evil. They're they're not the most intelligent creatures of the world. They're, they're easily <laughs> manipulated by the, the women and Vera, Vita in, uh, in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think Vita is the real villain of the, the show, but you don't know that right off the bat, not by part one.
3: Yeah, you do. It's
4: obvious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just about making pies. I thought that's what the the show was about <laughs> by watching know, part the 1. Pie
5: business, yeah.
1: yeah. I guess it goes it into was, the chicken and pies. By business. the way,
3: speaking of pies, it really bothered me that she was making that pie crust with her jewelry on. I'm yeah. Like you don't do that. You're it's gross. Like you're going to get your jewelry's going to get all crusted and like disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways.
4: <laughs>
3: that was like my main complaint about the whole show. <laughs> Just the jewelry while you're making pie crust. What are you thinking?
1: I do want to give a shout out to uh Melissa Leo as the gin runner Lucy, the the neighbor. She's a, a friend to Mildred and she's she just plays it perfectly. Melissa Leo, I know from Homicide, one of the Baltimore shows. Um, Recently
0: seen on Hooplecast on Oh,
1: uh, Treme. Treme, yeah.
0: Yeah. She mm. was the attorney. Um,
2: as she's long delightful. as we're doing as long as we're talking about shout outs and stuff. Uh, when you mentioned about the the rings when making the pie crust, yes. on the po- on the positive side, yes, they did one hell of a job with the um detail on i know a lot of the sets and the set dressing and the costumes
3: yeah oh yeah I mean,
2: she, when they showed right down to when they showed um I don't know if you remember the um the blisters she had on her ankles oh, I know it was great personally Mildred. I don't think you're suited for it. And Mr. Chris was not a bit impressed. But the chef thinks you'll do. So we're giving you a try.
6: Well, please thank Archie for me and tell him I hope I won't disappoint him.
2: <laughs> Your hours are eleven in the morning. Ten thirty if you want breakfast. To three in the afternoon. We don't do a big dinner trade, but most girls are on call twice a week, five to nine, same wages as daytime, and we're closed Sundays. You'll need white
6: shoes. Ask for nurses' regulation any of the stores, two ninety-five.
2: What's the matter, Mildred? You don't want the job?
6: I'm a little tired, is all. I
2: don't wonder. The way you trot... Yeah, I loved her outfit elbow.
0: too when she was job shopping. The frumpy yeah. brown dress with the flower print—I liked mm-hmm. it.
3: I thought it looked really nice. I don't know. That I was, like I like vintagey looking
2: things. So that, that would have been a you know that would have been a real typical housewife dress in the 1930s. It and looked really comfortable. Had, <laughs> yeah, but they had the right kind of stock. They had the right kind. Of, you know, there was just a lot of little right. details that you know when you saw them, it was like, yeah, that's. That's 1931, yeah, absolutely.
5: Why? So why do we think she slept with that dude? <laughs>
1: <Huh>? <laughs> what, in part five? No, in part you know, one. Wally. Part, oh, Wally. The skeezy, oh. oh, he's just so slimy, that guy.
2: I, I yeah. don't know. And then it turns out that she, that he's he's like, I I just got the feeling like she would bought into, you know, I don't know, what she's supposed she, to she's do. Just, she
5: was just craving some attention, was she? Like she hadn't had any in a long time? Probably. or? Probably. Uh, Or
2: or, because, you know, it's like the uh, the woman had had basically said, you know, this is how you're supposed to do this. And I I almost got the feeling like she bought into, okay, now, you know, I'm supposed to just go to bed with this guy.
1: Yeah. Mm. The the neighbor, Lucy, was kind of coaxing her, coaching her, saying, you want to be a kept woman. You you grab up the next man that uh, shows any interest. Mm. Maybe
3: she knew of that of her, that she wouldn't, would have a hard time finding a job that she liked because of, you know, the scarcity of jobs anyways. And just because of the fact that she's never been out in the workforce, she's always just been, you know, at home doing her thing. That is, that would be hard. Like thinking about that, that would be hard if you've never been out in the
2: real world looking for a job. Yeah you know that's hard that's hard for women now much less in 1931
5: yeah yeah i was very impressed that she told her husband to get out with with no backup plan
2: right most people when they water the grass wait
6: till later when the sun's not so hot and it'll do some good and not be a waste of good water that somebody else has to pay for
8: you see any work i can do that i don't do
6: so you get done early
8: come on mildred what are you getting at
6: She's waiting for you, so go on.
8: Who's waiting for me? I think you know. If you're talking about Maggie Beterhoff, I haven't seen her for a week. She never did mean a thing to me except somebody to play rummy with when I had nothing else to do. Which is
6: practically all the time, if you ask me.
8: I wasn't asking you.
6: So what do you do with her? Play rummy for a while, then unbutton that red dress she's always wearing without any brazier under it, and then flop her on the bed, and then play rummy some more, and then flop her on the bed again. Gee, that must be swell. I can't think of anything nicer than that. How'd you
8: like to go to hell?
6: Ever since you met that Useless! Do you hear me? crying oh, out loud. Then te- tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that's not precisely where you're going. So, nugget, then no, you, no. you might as well go pack your bags and leave for good, because <laughs> if you go out that door... I swear to God, Burn, I'm not letting you back inside. Keep on
8: the right on, because one of these days you don't watch out, I'm calling you. You're not calling me, I'm
6: calling you. You go over there today, Bert, and that's the last you see of this place, so help me God. I
8: go where I goddamn
6: please. Then pack up!
8: Fine, if this is what you want, okay!
0: <laughs> well, it kind of shows that she's a little, uh, <laughs> impetuous <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, impulsive. <laughs>
4: Yeah.
0: Um,
1: Did anyone watch the inside the episode? No. No. So there's, a, after the episode, there was an interview with uh, the director and screenwriter, Todd Haynes. Uh, and so he was pointing out that, um, you know, so they, you see everything from Mildred's perspective, right? She's uh, the titular character. But often she's shot through panes of glass or reflected in mirrors.
4: Yeah.
1: Um. And so that's the she's she's on this path, but she's not really controlling it. Like she's she's riding this roller coaster, and so you don't see it from her perspective, but more like um, uh, um an outside or separated or uh, distance from there's some kind of distance from the control that the uh, that she's on. So I thought I thought that was interesting. So the the director had that to add.
2: I, you know, that goes along with kind of how I was feeling about what they were saying. It seemed like they were saying about the character and who the character was and that, you know, she she was more concerned with what people thought, specifically her daughters. And I mean, I got that to some degree where it's like when she was interviewing for the um, the servant job and. And the woman is saying, oh, and your daughters can live here, but of course they can't fraternize with, you know, my children. Yeah. And, you know, that would have been an incredibly toxic environment to raise um, children in if you don't want them to grow up thinking that they are pieces of garbage. And... and For Vida,
0: it may have been a nice balance. (laughs) Well,
2: um, but then the idea that, you know, you couldn't possibly be a waitress that you know being a waitress is you know it's just so horrible um
3: uh, well it kind of it kind of was horrible in a way <laughs> she wasn't treated I, real well
2: no you know. i mean people generally you know there's a lot of people especially at that time labor was not considered um you know people were treated like garbage that's why unions were born um and you know, they were being taken advantage of like crazy and it was, it was bad. Um, but, uh, but there was definitely a, a, uh, feeling of, um, that it was how people viewed her that was more important than actually what she wanted. Right. Right. Was, and- yeah. Which kind of went along with that question of why did she sleep with that guy? Well, just before that, she was told by somebody that that was the thing to do. Mm hmm
1: yeah it made me start to think of the role of the parent and the sacrifices parents make for the sake of their children like she was willing to kind of do anything if it you know advanced um their position uh, especially for for vita you know advanced her but uh you know, I've I've only been parenting uh, for the last five years, so I'm I'm still new to this. Yeah, but, keep your uh, eyes
0: peeled for Vita, Then, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think in at least in part one, I would have made all the same decisions that Mildred made. I mean, I I probably would have ended up a, a dishwasher, you know, um, just to to get some kind of income
0: sleeping yeah. with a skeezy guy You're doing
3: it
1: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah you would have done that huh okay you not want to end up on the bread line
1: yeah
7: the agency doesn't normally handle domestic help so this one's strictly off the books i was over in beverly the other night and i got talking to this lady that's gonna marry this director he doesn't know it yet but his house is in for a big shake-up so she needs a housekeeper and on account of all that fine domestic efficiency you were telling me about, I told her about you.
6: Well, I hardly know what to say. You see, I recently came across a similar job as a waitress, and, and I... And you turned it down? Well, I mean, I, I couldn't. I, I, I just can't go home and... Face my children knowing their mother works all day at taking tips and wearing a uniform and mopping up crumbs. But you can face them just fine when there's nothing left to eat? That will never be the case, Mrs. Turner. I... I'm extremely grateful that you thought of me, though I can't see why you did. And certainly, I'll go over there as a courtesy to you.
7: What have I got to do with it?
6: You either want it or you don't.
7: Listen, I've got my own little business, sure. But if that went bust and I had to choose between my belly and my pride, I'm telling you right now, I'm picking my belly every time. You want to know why I recommended you? Sure, you got a head on your shoulders and a good physique. But you let half your life slip by without anything but sleeping, cooking, setting the table. And lo and behold, that's all you're good for to so get over it.
2: I I mean I, I I basically was saying the same thing. I I agree that I I would the the thing about, you know, oh, you bring your kids here and then I'm going to treat them like shit, um as they're growing up would have been a deal breaker for me. I would not have taken that job.
1: No, neither would well,
2: I. But the waitressing job, yeah, well, of course then again I've waitressed, so not yeah. a <laughs> it's
3: not there's nothing
2: shameful about waitressing it pays really well <laughs> it's not it a bad can. job at all it can especially yeah. if you get the place right. and you know i always thought it was it was so f- ridiculous that people will people will treat waitresses like crap and they will act as though waitresses are stupid etc cetera, etc cetera.
4: it's so but,
2: stu- yeah it's just ugh. but the thing is like you look at who waitresses and in this country, in this day and age, most of the people who were waitressing were students, yeah um college students um actors, musicians, yeah, et cetera, none yeah. of whom are usually all that stupid <laughs> my friend my friend
3: is in university right now, one of my friends, and she's doing a she's waitressing and she she's taking um She's she's doing a Bachelor of Science and she was saying uh, she sent me a list of like basically like top jobs when you graduate and like the number two job was hostess. (laughs) (laughs) So she was like, oh, like this is not like boding well for me at all. (laughs) It's just not even like most of the jobs are not even related to, you know, what you study in half the time. So, yeah, it's just you you get what you take what you get.
2: You know. Yeah, the job market these days is not great. Right. As just as much as they say that, you know, unemployment is down yada yada yada, you know, the job market is is not great. Yeah. And uh, and it was um just to clarify something that was said earlier. Yeah, the um the beginning of the movie it said that it was 1931. Mm. So it was just at the beginning of the depression. Yeah. The depression was really hitting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If we if we assume that this is uh, the Great Depression story for the middle class, you know, part one is definitely definitely showcasing that, and you know the the expectations, the way you achieve the American dream uh, during the Great Depression in the middle class is you get a waitressing job, and I think uh, a large part of that part one episode was showing kind of like the the banality of what that would look like, right? You know, everything from Uniform three ninety five uh, shoes nurses regulation two ninety five taking out of her you know, own paycheck right you know, all the just kind of the sense that adds up or you know detracts I, I was looking at I was looking at closely what everything costs like onions three cents limes eight cents okay. um, today's special sausage blue plate with rich sauce Italian salad French fries Italian bread coffee or tea and pie thirty five cents. That's
0: not a bad deal. That expensive that. mansion that they bought in Pasadena was a whopping $55,000. How much? It was 55000
2: 55000 oh, oh, a lot. Yeah. That, yeah, it was a lot. That was, in what year was that by that point?
0: Oh, it was probably 1939, uh, maybe? Okay.
2: Yes. Wow. Because you figure, you figure my parents bought a house in um, New Jersey. Now, admittedly, it was, you know. In the boonies, at that point, <laughs> not anymore. Um, that was a, a nice size house, not a mansion in any way, but a nice size house for fourteen thousand on like a quarter of an acre of land or half an acre, half an acre of land. So you know, it's like that's twenty years later, and fourteen thousand could buy you a nice house with a pretty decent sized piece of land in New Jersey.
0: Mm. So I was wondering what kind of job Vita would approve of. And all I could come up with, that, with is that she would not approve of any job that her mother would do. It Doesn't she matter. Do. She Malisa, should be. Malisa. She should be home. Well, I don't she, even think that. I and, and I, she Vita probably believes that work in any form is hmm? is middle class, distinctly middle class. Even the mu- man, even the man, the male should not be working. He should just be living off of the money that he inherited from his father. <laughs>
3: no.
4: Right.
0: She's living in a fantasy world. That one. Oh, absolutely.
4: Yeah, yeah, and and
0: spoiled, so spoiled. Like she gets Mildred sacrifices everything, gives her everything. At one point, Mildred's putting away money to buy her a piano for Christmas, and when Mildred can't afford to get her the piano for that Christmas, Vita somehow figured it out or was told that that's what her mother was. She was expecting it, and when Mm -hmm. she didn't get it, she threw a fit. (laughs) Wow, uh,
2: ungrateful
0: snotty child. mm
2: -hmm. Yes, and uh, yeah, and it's you know that was the that was the old expectation of you know what a you know a wealthy person you know didn't work i, I mean, don't yeah
5: if, i don't i don't see what the big deal is you just used the money that you inherited from your slave owning uh, ancestors right
2: <laughs> and i mean a, a man okay a man could have a job like you know a banker or something like that that was that was acceptable but i mean even it seems i keep coming back to The first time I remember hearing something about this was on the TV show The Avengers, the British TV show The Avengers, Mm -hmm. back um, with with um, Emma Peel, Emma Peel, and all of that. Mm -hmm. And there was a moment I remember. John Steed, uh huh, and uh, John Steed was being asked by a shop owner or something. He was undercover, and he was asked as a shop owner, "Oh, in your profession?" And he looks aghast, and he says, "Gentlemen," and the man (laughs) still. <laughs> uh, At one yeah.
0: point, um, no, sorry. No, no, go on. At one point, Vita calls this lovely home that they live in a hovel. Mm-hmm. I think that's the word she uses. I thought it was
3: such a beautiful house. It I was, was like, a, oh, it's a
0: great house, but yeah. constantly she's insulting Glendale, California, and oh the home and the neighborhood. And uh, she, you cannot please this girl.
5: Please tell me she gets hers in the end. Please tell me she's, she's mm, horribly unhappy. Nope.
4: Damn. Nope. It. I'll never nope. watch the rest of
0: it. She ends up going to New York with Mildred's ex-husband, the one oh. that she slept with, um, and she becomes a famous opera singer.
5: No, oh, she learned no lessons.
0: <laughs> Man, that's one Where's of the... the opera though.
2: Nobody. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, some people do, but I don't.
2: <laughs> you do remember my mom was an opera singer, right? I was gonna say. <laughs> <don't like>
3: <laughs> Is your mom Vita? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but she could have been. <laughs> she, she was was to be, but luckily uh my dad got to her. Oh. He uh as they used to say, he had to teach her how to eat uh hamburger. She was raised on roast beef. Oh
3: my goodness.
2: Yes. That's yeah. Crazy. No, my mom my mom uh was definitely raised to be a diva, but uh
3: <laughs> but she wasn't.
2: Yeah. But so yeah, she, it would
3: be interesting. It's kind of interesting to think about people like some people who are raised to be, uh, I guess, like Veda, and turn out fine, and then other people, you know, just turn into monsters.
2: Yeah, my my mom chose her her husband well. Yes, <laughs> she got over her mostly got yeah. over her upbringing. Yeah. So. She could still she could still play the game when when so, when she met somebody who was like that. Mm-hmm. And the knife uh, come out, it was like, okay, I wanna take a couple steps back here. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a whole cultural thing. hmm Yeah.
0: Although I feel so bad for Mildred and how desperately she wants her daughter t- to love her and respect her. I don't think we ever get the scene in this miniseries where she tells Vita everything I've done for you. You know, I don't think we get that classic scene where she lays it all out on the line.
1: Damn it. Mm. I don't think Vita would care. Yeah. I think that's, I'm not uh, sure that's she would.
0: I, But still, it would be cathartic to have Mildred realize that and really spell it out. But instead, Mildred internalizes a lot. Yeah, she does. And... I have to say at least the husband who initially cheated on her at the end at first as a well, I guess it took them a while to get divorced. But when they finally did, they still maintained a pretty good, healthy relationship. And when they recoupled, he was there to tell his wife, Mildred, to hell with her. Like, good for him, at yeah. least. And he never hit her. And like the worst thing he did was was cheat on her, which is bad, granted, but it could have been so much worse.
4: Mm.
2: well i mean honestly in some ways i think the cheating on her was not the worst thing he did the worst thing he did was not dealing with the cheating in an honest way Mm. when they had that fight and just leaving yeah did he even try to see his daughters i'm not sure did they you know i only watched (sighs) the first episode was there a relationship after that i think
0: so
1: yeah, he, he went back to his daughters. He he kept up a pretty healthy relationship with uh, with them.
0: Well, that's good.
1: Yeah, that's nice. He, he didn't forget them outright, but uh, like he, uh, like he when see? he left, he took the car when he left, right? And uh, you know, he returned the car at some point. He's right. like, yo, you, you probably need this more than I do.
0: Actually, yep. Mildred said, I need the car more than you do.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's like, right. I'm
0: wor- yeah. She's like, I'm working now and I need the car and you're going to give me the keys to the car. Yeah. And, he's, and, he, and he says... Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well that's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he, he wasn't totally evil. That's that's where I was going with that. It's like you know, he may have been an adulterer, but uh you know, he's probably not not awful. He he wasn't Vita awful.
0: Oh so when we talk about Vita awful though, was there a redemption redemptive moment for Vita? When she was giving that opera performance and then said at the end of her performance, I, I want to <laughs> sing a song that is not for the stage, not normally sung in this kind of atmosphere, but I want to – will you permit me, audience, to let me sing a song just for me? And And she sings – Oh, what, Only Chasing Rainbows? I don't know yes. if that's actually the name of yeah, the song, that, that's- but that's the lyric from the song. And and clearly it was like her mother's favorite song. So she sings it. It seems like she's singing it to her mother, and her mother is crying in the audience. My daughter is doing this wonderful, nice thing for me. Is that a redemptive moment for Vita, or was it also calculated?
1: That was totally calculated. Because mm-hmm. um, well-
0: To
3: control her mother is to make her think, yeah, I still love you.
1: Yeah, because Monty uh, whispers uh, over to Mildred that this is this songs for you. So this, this whole plot had already been, you know, conspired that she would come out and sing this song. And at that point, Monty and Vita were already sleeping together. They already had a relationship together.
0: I kind of figured that, but I also thought that the line of "This is for you" is is more of a signal to the audience, like "Pay attention, this is v- Mildred's favorite song." In case you forgot, because I had forgotten, <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciated that little bit of context.
1: No, but, but it, yeah, it was... it's
0: definitely like Vita's really good at at leaving little crumbs for Mildred to uh, to pick up and sustain that the you know her mother's affection to to, to keep on that purse string. It doesn't Very, take
3: much when you really want someone to like you, like it really doesn't
2: take much. You'll take whatever you can get. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. And sometimes it does feel that way with kids. No tools about it. You know, especially when you're going through bad bad patches.
4: Right. As as they
2: grow up. Or even when they're young. Um, you know, you can fall into that, that trap. Mm. Of, uh, I was
3: like, oh, they said, they, said they, uh, they did this one nice thing today out of, like, all the, like, hundreds of awful things they were doing, which mm-hmm. kind of
2: makes it, you're like, oh, makes it all worthwhile, just the one nice thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or if or if you truly, you know, there was there was a woman who said to me at one point, um, when we were both raising our kids and, yeah. you know, they were similar ages, and she said to me, um... They always say that it's important to, um, like, be careful of who your child is friends with. Yeah. But What if it's your child who is the one <laughs> right. that, you know, and I knew why she was saying that because I knew her child. And it was, you know, it was kind of heartbreaking when she was okay. saying
1: it. Say My that. children are angels. It's always <laughs> the other child. <laughs>
4: Well,
2: I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a whole other problem sometimes. Yes. But um,
3: for sure.
2: But yeah, I mean, if if things are not going well with your kid, and you ex- you are afraid that that child is not the greatest human being on earth, mm. and you're not sure what to do with it, about it, you know, any indication that oh look, they did something nice, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah, you'll take it, right? You'll take it yeah, because it's your offspring. Grow.
2: Oh, they're growing. They're developing. They're- it's,
3: it's almost like when your kid does something, it reflects on you as a parent, right? Like it's, yeah,
2: have that too. Yeah. yeah. You
3: know, so if they do something bad, then people are like, oh, what are they going to think about my parenting? You know, people yeah. are going to think I'm all, an awful mother or father, or, you know. And, and that here I am attractive. talking about this. I have, I have no kids and probably never will. Just because of that. <laughs> it's really it sounds really <laughs> to me. <laughs> it's just the stress of like having to think like, oh my god, I could have a really awful kid or I could have like a really good kid, you know. You can't there's no control over that.
0: There's a little bit of control. A
3: little bit, but not a lot. Like they're their own people, you know.
0: Yeah, but Mil- Mildred could have pushed back on Vita had she yeah. had the awareness to do so. And a lot yeah. of uh, she spawned Vita. Like, Vita is partially Mildred's fault. You know, nature and nurture. I think they're co-mingled here. Right. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the father not being a good role model either. And, you know, he had an affair because he wanted to. Like. Mm-hmm. He, and then that set a good precedent for Vita. Oh, I can just take what I want. Yeah. And I'll get away with it. Because yeah. my mother lets, lets it get away with. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Let's read uh, Harold's feedback. Matt, I'm going to have you read this.
5: Okay. Do it, Matt. There's a kitty in my way. He keeps whacking you in the face with his tail. Get out of the way, kitty.
2: I miss kitties. (laughs) Um, Get yourself a kitty, Carol. I know. I know. But I've been... Anyway, go on. (laughs) All
5: right. Harold says, I will tell you up front that I watched all five episodes of Mildred Pierce. Once I realized that this was a Todd Haynes project, I was totally on board. This was an inspired choice of material for him. If you go back through his films, you will see that it fits perfectly next to, it fits in perfectly next to Carol, Far From Heaven, Safe, or even Superstar, The Karen Carpenter Story. Is it perfect? No. It drags at times, and I think that perhaps it could have been edited down to four parts. The first part in particular seems slow, but the pace perked up a little bit afterwards. Uh, The strength of this series, and what has stayed with me since I watched it, is the psychological makeup of the main character and how it is revealed through her relationships, especially with her older daughter. Mildred is in every scene, and we see everything from her point of view. She is a woman who, despite being extremely capable and self-sufficient, is so needy for love and affection that she lets people constantly take advantage of her. This goes especially for her daughter, Vida. Vida is awful, and she didn't get that way in a vacuum. Mildred goes to great lengths to keep Vita's love and respect, and we come to see that Vita knows this, both loves and hates it, and that she relies on knowing exactly how to take advantage of her mother to get what she wants. After you have bonus points to bonus points, whenever a show makes my mouth water, and this one wins <laughs> some for Mildred's chicken and waffles. I
3: I, I would uh, I would be on board with uh giving extra points to a show because of that. But <laughs> <laughs> well,
5: but what was with the next door neighbor Lucy? Every time Mildred needs Need a few bucks, uh, needs a few bucks or a dress to wear. There was Lucy popping out of nowhere to provide it, with no explanation of why she was doing it. She's
0: just a good friend. I, I yeah, she's just a good friend.
5: Mm-hmm. And I liked
0: when at the end of the episode, Lucy is is saying, "So what if you're if you're a waitress at a hash house? Yeah, like mm-hmm. you're you're working and that's honorable." Right. So. She's just telling Mildred, like, exactly what she needs to hear. And then later on, uh, Lucy goes on to um, to help her with her restaurant franchise. When Prohibition ends, it's Lucy who is like, you, you're you going to have to start serving alcohol because when yeah. people go out, they're going to want to drink. Yeah, And and Mildred didn't want to do that. She's not a drinker, and she, she didn't want to, but Lucy was like, look, they're going to want it. And if you don't have it, they're going to go somewhere where they can get it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm she got a good margin there with that alcohol so
3: <laughs> it's funny at first like when i was watching this i didn't like lucy because she gave her the advice of like sl- sl- you know sleep go with sleep that with that guy and i was like oh what a terrible friend and then at the end i was when she was saying so what if you work in a hash house i was like oh she's a good friend <laughs> so i was, so, <laughs> I was a bit confused about that friendship oh hey honey he took the car
6: oh you mean bird Yes, Bert. He's gone. What do you mean? Just now. He just left. He just walked out on you? Just like that? Maybe he got a little help. For that floppy-looking front? What did he say? How can he even look at that woman? Oh, what's the use of talking? If she likes him, all right, then she's got him. That wasn't even the reason. (sighs) And I did pester him. I just can't take things lying down. I don't care how bad things are. If she can, then fine, because that's just the way he's built. I've got my own ideas, and I just can't change them for somebody else. So what are you going to do?
7: You just joined the biggest army on earth. You're the great American institution that never gets mentioned on the 4th of July. A grass widow with two small children to raise on your own, that dirty bastard.
6: Oh, Bert's all right. He's all right, but he's a dirty bastard. They're all dirty bastards. We're not so perfect. Yeah, well, we wouldn't pull what
0: they pull. Well, I think she's just saying, play the courage you dealt.
3: Like, right, exactly, yeah.
0: Like, you're not helpless. Oh, I saw that like, afterwards. Do this or do that. Like, sleep with the guy right. or... Or be a waitress. Like, do something. Like, what right. she just doesn't want is Mildred being stuck and feeling
5: sorry for herself.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. By yeah. the way,
5: what's a, what's a hash house?
2: A restaurant with just, a, you know, like a... diner? A, hash browns? Yeah. yeah. The
5: cafe.
0: Uh,
2: a not fancy restaurant.
0: Uh, a diner. There, <laughs> there was that one woman, she's like, what kind of restaurant is this? It's like... Lady, it's very clearly a diner. Like you can tell (laughs) what kind of restaurant it is. I
3: I, I don't understand, like all these fancy people expecting something more than what they. Yeah, you know, like it's like, did you not like look at like the place? Where am
5: I right now? Yeah, exactly. Like what the hell? (laughs) How did I get here?
3: (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with these fancy people?
5: (laughs) Uh, Harold continues. Is this Yes. Is this version as memorable as the 1945 movie? No, but that one had a career-defining por- performance by Joan Crawford and amazing cinematography courtesy of Michael Cur- Curtis, Curtis, the director who made Casablanca and was a master at black and white lighting. But this version is worth watching, too, for anyone interest- who's interested in Todd Haynes, Kate Winslet, or seeing a female-centric drama with the great mother-daughter dynamic. I give this eight bratty brats out of ten. <laughs>
0: <laughs> bratty brats. <laughs> Can
8: I help you, mother?
6: Who asked you to go snooping around my closet for liquor?
8: I didn't know there was any secret about it.
6: Hereafter, I'll do the inviting.
2: But, Mother, it's Father.
6: Don't stand there and pretend you don't know what I'm talking about. You know you had no business saying what you did. I could tell by the cheeky look on your face.
8: Very well, Mother, it shall be as you say.
6: And stop that silly way of talking.
5: Well, I was gonna. Can we rate it now? Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna give it seven, just because I I felt kind of not not bad about it or good about it. But now, hearing the rest of the story, I feel bad, so it gets a six. <laughs> well, no,
3: <laughs> I would. To- I liked
5: it. I would totally keep watching this. I don't want her now that I know where it goes.
3: I totally want to watch it. You want to
5: watch her get? You don't like, have to watch it with me. You want to watch her get like used by her it daughter, sounds, and her daughter learns no lessons. No, it, it sounds incredibly frustrating and infuriating to watch.
1: So my, my recommendation is at least watch part two because part two is much better than part one. And they're shows... not going to watch either part. I. <laughs> <watched> <laughs> they say that all the time. I, I, well, watch another one.
3: I will watch part two because that's what we have. But And then
1: if you get hooked by part two, it's a long slog until you hit part five when it picks up again. Yeah. Right. I, don't,
0: I think part three is probably the slog because when Evan Rachel Wood turns up, it the time jump happens. It's a little interesting.
4: Mm.
1: Mm, correct.
3: No, I yeah. li- I liked it. I would give it an eight out of 10, just like Harold. Eight out of 10, crusty jewelry.
1: <laughs>
3: Flower encrusted jewelry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, if we're rating just on part one, I did not like part one. There, there wasn't anything appealing, and if I'm just watching part one, I'm not interested in going any further. Even though I did for this podcast, but you know, part <laughs> didn't, one
0: didn't have to. Again, no extra yeah. credit.
1: <laughs> part one, I would, I would give it a very low, maybe like four out of ten. I just, whoa, mm, yeah, very low.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. Whoa, guys. Um. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I'm not, as I say, I I didn't have a lot of hope for this only because it's not my kind of story. Um, you know, ungrateful pieces of crap are not, you know.
5: They're not fun to watch.
2: They're really not fun to watch. And I'm, you know, uh, but anyway, um, and I just, I found it fairly boring in between being like, okay, this is. This is a story of someone who is, you know, being destroyed by their, their pride and et cetera, et cetera, and, uh, Um, so, I mean, it can be very, very well done, but just not my thing. But I, I found it pretty boring, actually. So, um, I'd have to go with, like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess like a four. Um, oh, we're, are we supposed to come up with some yeah,
0: we need some silly ratings here I, uh, four
1: grass widows okay
2: um oh um uh, i'm run trying to run through and find anything interesting to 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 call it it's like there's not even anything interesting to uh oh oh oh, um, yeah, this makes sense, um four bloody stockings,
5: cool. <laughs> And I'll give it, I already said six, but six out of ten uh, butt grabs on a
4: waitress.
0: <laughs> yeah, tough to separate my thoughts on the show as a whole uh, against the first episode, but uh, I get again, I was curious to keep watching because I wanted to know, like, well, what is this going to turn into? Because so far its existence could not be justified on the first episode, because basically she made pies and went on a job hunt and then said no to everything, which was very frustrating. <laughs> um but I I just I like the concept of of this mother who cannot please her daughter and the daughter who takes advantage of her like and I mean I don't like it in t- <laughs> it's awful but it's very compelling like psychologically it's a very compelling story of a, a kind of codependence and made me think back to when we covered Gray Gardens which was another mother-daughter story
4: yeah.
0: and over the course of the series, I like that Mildred at least finds that she has an aptitude for running a business and that she is strengthened by these two female pillars, Lucy and Ida, who's played by M- Mayor Winningham and was the, like, the head waitress at the hash house. So uh-huh. the two of them, like, like, if Mildred didn't have a f- husband and a, and a child weighing her down, she would be very successful. So I, I enjoy stories about female empowerment and this was almost that until Vita ruined everything. I'm gonna give it <laughs> Vita seven and a wow. half out of ten bad seeds.
2: <laughs> I mean, I think the the story was very groundbreaking for the time because it really, you know, showed a woman who was so capable and didn't realize it and then was able to, you know, go Succeed even when she had all these people pulling her down and all that good stuff, but ugh, tough to watch.
0: Right, Game of Thrones premiered April seventeenth,
5: twenty eleven. You still don't get extra credit, but did you watch seven
1: seasons and read all the books? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, and yes. Um, I- Just for us, <laughs> <laughs> over one weekend. <laughs> uh, this past uh, this past summer, I-, I got a coworker who's never seen. The series to watch all the episodes, and I watched along with them. So I've recently rewatched all the episodes.
3: We're actually doing a rewatch right now.
5: Yeah. Yeah. End of season one. Yeah. Anyway, as you were giving us the the stats and the facts, Matt.
0: Right, right. Before I was interrupted, I was saying Game of Thrones (laughs) premiered April 17th, 2011. It will, when it concludes its run this year it will have lasted eight seasons 73 episodes wow. the pilot that, yes sir is, is that Matt, like, stop interrupting. we're so. not done apparently we're not
5: done interrupting
0: uh, what heard, was your question uh-huh.
4: <laughs>
5: is, is that a record for how many seasons there are in an hbo show eight mm. eight um let me look at the list here
0: how,
1: would, how long did sopranos go for that went for a long time
0: six
5: was that six
1: is that all
0: could be but back in the day seasons were longer they were like 13 episodes compared to 10 so mm. um we're not going to count tales from the crypt <laughs> that was 93 episodes yeah the sopranos was six seasons but it was 86 episodes mm. now very but true. here's the other thing game of thrones also has some very long episodes sometimes yes
5: well Time. in the next season mm. it's going to be like what isn't it two two hours per episode in the next season what? I thought I heard that. Maybe
1: I'm wrong. I, mean, I
0: think I heard that at least one episode is nearly feature length. Wow! So,
1: as long tough, as we're we're interrupting, uh, Mildred Pierce <laughs> Part yes, Five are, was <laughs> an hour and a half long. Like they Whoa. they they broke that too. So it is a long slog to get through Mildred Pierce, and that's just <laughs> five episodes. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: it didn't need to be that long.
5: <laughs> All right, Game of Thrones.
0: Oh. Okay. We could go back
5: to me now. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get booze so I don't interrupt you again. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You're exempt from the wheel. That but...
3: means he will interrupt you more once he gets all boozed up.
0: Okay. Well, he's exempt from the wheel. He knows this. So he... someone is not though. Someone will have to summarize the premiere episode of this landmark TV show.
3: <laughs> the worst. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the Mildred Pierce of uh, spinners. It just—it's it, too long. It's too long. <laughs> um, it's the guest.
1: Hey, all right, I'm excited. All right, all right. Let me get out the stopwatch.
3: I really want to sing the theme song, like in the background.
1: Okay, well, don't, <laughs> don't
0: just dis- don't distract him. Let's give him gets give him a good shot. Will um,
3: you, Matt, will you in post put the theme song behind Steven as he's.
1: No, because he, he took out all the background music. He doesn't I can like tell,
0: that. I can tell ah. Melanie doesn't go back and listen to the podcast because I always um, introduce each segment with the theme song. <laughs> so I've already played the theme song.
3: <laughs> oh, play it again. In this
0: podcast. <laughs> and Steve, it, Steve, it's up to you if you uh, want to use your own timer, look at the clock, or just go completely blind.
1: I'm going to recap all seven seasons so far. So let's, let's do this. I'm ready. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right. So the first episode is called Winter is Coming. uh, And uh, it starts north of the wall uh, with some gruesome uh, murdering that happens by these mysterious um, the others or, you know, the White Walkers. uh, and, And they're advancing south. So winter is coming along with them. All right, but that's that's for later on. Uh we're introduced to the Starks, uh one of the noble houses of uh Westeros, the the world uh that we're in. Uh the Starks have uh five children and then a bastard child named Jon Snow. Um which I like. I'm I'm rooting for Jon Snow. Uh <laughs> while they're there, uh the current king of the kingdoms uh, rides up, uh, and there, he's uh, Robert Baratheon. Uh, he's married to a Lannister. The Lannisters are uh, another one of the noble houses. Uh, so right off the bat, you're you're set up a, um, you know, Stark Lannister rivalry with these two two houses. Uh, they're there for a long time. We switch over to um, uh, Danny, who's uh, over in Essos, a different country. She's an exiled uh, Targaryen. Uh, who, and she, who's, uh, the house they, they want to, uh, I'm already screwing it up. Um, but you don't need to pay attention to her until like season six when she, she actually makes a difference in the world. Uh, go back to Winterfell. Um, one of the Lannisters pushes Bran out of the window. Done.
0: How do you think you did? Uh, awful. <laughs> 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 Aw. Awful. One minute, 37 seconds.
4: Oh, Whoa, yes. that was like a
3: feature
1: length. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> doom, doom, doom. Okay.
0: Yeah. I've also read all the books and seen all the episodes.
1: Yeah, I uh, I have the books. Um, anything that has to do with Danny, I kind of gloss over or skip over. No, uh, she's the, the best. Books. No, no, I
0: love the Daenerys chapters. O-
1: on her side of the world, the names are way too long. Um, you know, they're they're <laughs> like almost like Klingon names. I mean, I can't pronounce them. Don't even try. And the fact that she doesn't make an impact to the rest of the the storyline for so long, it's it just it drives me nuts how, how much attention is uh, pointed to her uh, i'm i'm for house stark i'm uh, you know we we're introduced to them right off the bat and i think as as the audience here you're, you're kind of rooting for these these six children in some fashion
0: well i yeah i would agree with you that the starks are the best entry point for the viewer or the book reader because they're a family unit so immediately if the the bonds between the parents as uh, both two married people, but also the bonds between the parents and the children, and the children with each other. Like, if if you can get on board with their that family relationship, you, you're pretty... It's a pretty good entry point. Then everything else is kind of window dressing. Because entry- you've got characters to root for.
5: It's a good entry point, and then they, like, never see each other again, for most of it. <laughs> 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 most of them never see each other again.
0: And that's... Well, that's also part of the appeal, is, like, you you cannot wait for them to be reunited, and see each other as uh, how they've grown and changed and so especially the sisters since as they have nothing in common and you when they get separated which is a little bit of a spoiler we should keep probably keep this one a little bit spoiler or spoiler free um but yeah you you want to see these two uh siblings as young now young adults come back and kind of show each other what they have learned about the world
5: (laughs) i want to see Aria reunited with Serial Pharrell or whatever his name
0: is. Serial <laughs> <laughs> Pharrell is the best.
1: The dance teacher.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. I, and, I, and from my own per- point of view, um, preference, I like the Danny chapters in the first book because it, that felt the most high fantasy to me. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed those chapters and I like seeing high that fantasy. character, that character grow and become more of her own. Oh, yeah, woman. She,
1: she has an amazing arc. Yeah, it's yeah. more it's it's more like
5: Conan, like a low fantasy. Well, I guess I guess hers is the only one at the beginning that has like magic or like real right. magic. Yeah, that's right. what I meant. Right. right at the beginning, yeah,
0: yeah. It, it feels very foreign, right? So there's there's magic and mystery there, and whereas uh, in Westeros, the main continent, it's just kind of like royal houses and political intrigue. Right. Where, on her side of the world, it felt more like high fantasy to me.
8: No, I broke my oath. And I know I'm a deserter. I should have gone back to the war and warned them, but
6: I saw what I saw. I saw the white walkers.
8: People need to know. If you can get word to my family, tell them I'm no coward. Tell them I'm sorry. of the house baratheon the first of his name don't look away king of the andals
7: and the first father
8: will know if you do
7: lord of the seven kingdoms and protector of the realm i edard the house stark lord of winterfell and warden of the north sentence you to die
8: did well Why i did it john said he was a deserter but do you understand why i had to kill him oh where's the old way
7: the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword
8: is it trace or the white walkers
7: the white walkers have been gone for thousands of years
8: so he was like
7: madman sees what he
0: sees carol you said you started watching the show and you stopped tell us why
2: um yeah some years ago i um i i did watch a few episodes um and yeah i stopped um it it, i just wasn't that i mean i Okay. They had me the first couple episodes. I've, you know, like this first episode, it, it introduces, it's confusing. It was a lot less confusing this time that I watched it. Um, actually it was pretty clear this time when I watched it. So it may have been just because it was second viewing. It could be because I was paying more attention. Um, and, and so I went right into the next episodes and I don't remember how I had the episodes. Um it it was partially probably the fact that I would have needed to work on getting the episodes and after <laughs> a certain number of episodes I really just wasn't as thrilled or as interested. Um I don't remember exactly why I think uh, some of it had to do with just the tone of things. I've since it's hard to live in this society without hearing a certain amount about Game of Thrones. Um, so I have, you know, heard a certain amount and when people would talk about how they really, really did not like how all of the rape stuff was being handled, I remember thinking, yeah, that, you know, that definitely was part of, you know, what I was not caring much for. Um, there's, uh, I was, um, as I say, I don't remember exactly why I stopped other than it, it, wasn't, it wasn't catching my interest enough for me to go looking for it. And I think there was a certain amount of the whole, um, as I say, rapiness of, of a lot of it that was not thrilling
1: me a lot. Yeah, For my uh, coworker, Brad, the, I, I did an experiment with him. I said, pick pick a character. Just randomly pick pick a character you really want to follow, right? You really commit to that character throughout the <laughs> throughout the run. See <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how um, so, it's like uh,
2: placing
3: bets. <laughs> it is. Place, place a bet, like see see if you can stick with this character for the
1: whole run of the show. <laughs> exactly <laughs> it, right? So uh, you know he picked uh, Benjin. Benjamin was his character. <laughs>
4: right? He lost terribly. <laughs>
1: um. Now his his wife picked Danny. That that was a good pick for her. Yeah. Right. Very so that but...
0: feels like a safe pick because she's got her own story arc happening <laughs> yeah. on half the show, right? <laughs> but lots so that... of
3: people have their own story arcs, and then they're just like goodbye.
4: <laughs> (laughs) (laughs)
1: i I gravitated towards uh theon in that first episode i mean he he had a bow he was pretty badass he was ready to go to war you know theon
5: he looks like Mick jagger yeah
0: yeah,
1: theon's my guy (laughs) well
5: had you
0: read the books before you watched the show (laughs) yes okay well then i don't know what your deal was
2: (laughs) who was theon
1: uh, the, the Theon yeah, is a ward of Winterfell, so yeah. he's the same age as Rob Stark, uh kind of like his best friend.
3: He's the uh, guy that looks like Mick Jagger.
0: He's the guy that wanted to immediately kill the wolf pups. He's like, Give it here. He's like, eh, hand
3: it
1: over. Oh, yeah, he, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Let me kill that yeah. thing for you. No, just 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 settle down.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> he really wanted to kill dogs. <laughs> um, for some reason. Especially puppies damn puppies
1: <laughs> that's one way i found to like get engaged with the story is like pick a character um uh, now that might not always pay out in the long run but um you'd have to pick a new character after a while
0: and was brad like did he find the pilot to be confusing uh
1: so i i asked him this uh he didn't find it confusing uh what he did find surprising was the amount of violence and nudity right um you which not <laughs> oh oh
0: you sweet summer child <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, well my wife had a, a a similar thing like there's two beheadings in the first episode and if you're just not prepared for that it, it's a real turnoff uh, carol did you find the violence i mean you, you mentioned the sex but what about the violence
2: um it wasn't the sex that bothered me it was the rape there's a difference yeah, between oh. sex and rape um the um Sorry, I didn't mean that to sound as arch as I, it came yeah. out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, sorry. Um, it, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, uh, beheadings and, and stuff have gotten pretty common on TV and the gruesomeness has gotten pretty common on TV. And I found that I'm, I'm not as squeamish as I used to be. Um there was a lot of I'm still pretty good at just turning my head away um, if things are going to get too nasty. Um So, you know, I dealt with it. But, yeah, it was I think I think there came a point where it was a general tone of of oh. stuff. That the first episode, as I say, they kind of had me in the first episode. And I was really kind of shocked when the kid got pushed out of the window mm-hmm. and. I was really sorry too, because I thought that it was a goner for the kid. Mm. And, um, and I really liked the kid. I mean, he seemed like he was going to be, you know, his journey of not, not meeting his father's expectations and so forth as, you know, the boy's boy type thing. Um, I thought he was going to be a pro mountain climber. Yeah. Excellent mountain climber. Um, but, uh, you know, and I, so I came right back to the second episode. I remember just like, okay, I'm I'm going to watch the second episode right away, and uh, was glad to see the kid survived. Mm-hmm. Uh, but
3: can I talk about uh, something? Huh? Can I talk about something?
2: Yes.
0: Yeah, you're the co-host <laughs> of this podcast. Woo-hoo! If Matt <laughs> okay. doesn't interrupt you, you can try.
3: We absolutely no. expect
0: you to talk about something. Just
3: shut up for two minutes, Matt. Um. <laughs> I was just wondering, so I know that, that this isn't, like, a historical show or anything by any means, but I'm just wondering, like, when a show deals with something like that, like, decapitations or, like, violence or rape, Um, I guess, how are you supposed to portray it? Because when you think about history, like, r- you know, rape was, like, an accepted thing when you went into battle and... You know, people were like, oh, rape is a... You know, let's rape these people! Rape and pillage! Rape and pillage! And then, yeah, beheadings and torture and all these things. So when you think about our history as human beings, it's a thing. So, you know, like... And I know, like I said, again, I know this isn't real. It's kind of like a fantasy world or whatever. But I, I, I assume that George R. R. Martin kind of based it upon, like, human history as
2: well. So I don't know, like... What do you guys think of that? I think it's a fair point. Mm. Um, absolutely, um, and right. i I kind of go back and forth with yeah. that in situations like this. I think, I think a lot of it comes down to, and I think a lot of the objection that I heard, and of mm. course, I wasn't watching the show, so I'm just talking about what I heard. Right. Um, a lot of the objection I heard was not portraying rape. Hmm the circumstances, the upshot of it, um like gratuitous kind of thing. Yeah. Is it is it being portrayed like uh, in a sexy way? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh we have a long history of in entertainment of um of various kinds of a a woman falling in love with her rapist. Mm. And um and marrying her rapist or Rape being uh, sexy,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and and uh, a lot of people started saying, you know, the way rape is being portrayed. And as I say, I'm not, sh- I don't remember exactly what made me say, eh, yeah. I don't need to watch for this. No. Well, it, it of
0: like part of it was just the lack of convenience of being able to watch the episode. That the farther you got away from being able to see it, the less you were just like, I think I can not chase that down.
2: Yeah, I mean there are there are things that you know, it wasn't oh, I hate this. It was more like you know, I don't like this enough to really, I know everybody is talking about it, it's so great oh, and everything, sure. but. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm not uh,
3: saying, <laughs> I'm not saying like oh, Carol, you're too too offended by these things. <laughs> That's not what I was trying to say. It was just like.
2: Sure, too... I know that. But yeah. no, I think a very good point because I I do go there for a lot of different things. I mean, and I've argued any number of times that if especially if you're doing something historic, mm. or if you're trying to talk about the human, you know, humanity and how humanity has done stuff over, mm. you know, even if it's a metaphor, and even if you're talking about a a total fantasy, but you're trying to make a point about human human beings mm. that yeah, showing the the crappy side of people is necessary, and that includes mm. you know, rape and murder and and all kinds of stuff. But it also, um, are you actually doing that or are you using that as an excuse to, um, promote things that are actually really, you know, like add to the horribleness of people? So
0: I don't think that the show ever made rape sexy or promoted rape. I think it's pretty clear that these are ugly things happening sometimes to good people. But what I know that people had a real problem with is when it was rape without consequence. And you, if a character did suffer, you wanted them to have um, something to come from it other than just being dismissed as kind of like, Oh, that was just a thing that happened in this one episode. Like, or, and you don't want the st- The repercussions of the rape to be, to like sort of frame the arc of some other character that it didn't happen to. So there's there's a famous example from an episode where a where a woman is raped and the camera pans and and the guy is wa this guy's watching and he feels terrible about it. And the mm-hmm. criticism of this episode of this scene is not that the rape happened, but that they made it about this other guy and not the actual victim. And it, and he became yeah. the victim as the witness to the rape, not the actual person suffering the physical trauma. So and like and I get that but then the creators of the show also said, "But well, we framed it that way because we didn't want to show it because it really was that ugly." So mm. it's like, what, "Well, I don't know." It's, well, how do it's very tricky. How do you, you... win?
3: Like in this kind of scenario, like it's it's such a hard. Yeah, you're right. It's, was it? A, was it a necessary?
0: It? Was it a necessary plot point, or could it have been alluded to without being depicted at all? Like was it we knew that the character who committed the rape was already a sadist that like, did, did it need more of that? Like,
1: mm. yeah, was so- it
0: too much? Like, yeah. Uh,
2: well, there was also from what I remember, a lot of people pointing out that, um, how similarly to what you're talking about, how rape was being used as a device a lot. And that, you know, it was, and I, I do remember hearing, uh, about that once you mentioned it it was like oh yeah i do remember um hearing a discussion about um you know being about the effect on men again a um a device having to do with with that without really dealing with um i mean they're having this event happening to a lot of women and the complaint one of the complaints being that uh they don't really deal with the effect on women all that So,
0: the Danny cal Caldrogo wedding night <laughs> scene was different in the books. It was more tender, but you could still countenance that as rape because in the books she's like thirteen, so
4: yeah.
0: it's rape even if she is. And the, she can't give consent at age 13, no, number one. She's too young. Um, also, she's been forced into this marriage by her brothers. So there's no consent there. So, But you could say that it wasn't as rough. <laughs> like, I guess that's better. Yeah. But maybe this feels more realistic.
8: Daenerys! There's our bride-to-be. Look. A gift from Elyria. Touch it. Go
7: on. Feel the fabric. Isn't he a gracious host?
6: We've been his guests for over a year and he's never asked us for anything.
7: Well, Illyria's no
8: fool. He knows I won't forget my friends
7: when I come into my throne.
8: You still slouch. Let them see.
7: You have a woman's body now. (sighs) I need you to be perfect today. Can you do that for me? You don't want to wake the dragon, do you? No. When they write the history of my reign, sweet sister, they will say it began today.
5: Can we talk about the whole first season? and not spoil past there, maybe.
0: I don't know. Uh, we'll leave that up to Carol. Do you feel like you at know, some point you, you might about, watch this?
2: You can talk about anything you want. I mean, I might I might watch it in the future. I don't know. I mean, I've had various people say, eh, you probably wouldn't enjoy it all that much. But sometimes <laughs> enjoyed things that people haven't thought, you know. Okay. But, but I've heard so much about it already, you know, in dribs and drabs here and there. You can talk about it whatever you want.
0: Okay, let's say first season.
5: Okay. Well, um, concerning their relationship, um, Daenerys and Drogo, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's so hard to figure out how my feelings for for that because, yeah, it starts off with rape and terrible, like she's married against her will and stuff, but it ends up with, like... They're super ap- cute together. They're super cute <laughs> together. It, appear- it appears they're genuinely in love. Like, yeah. she's his whole world. Um, but then he's also, like... She could, um, she um, convinces him to, to like go to war for her or, or and yeah. Yeah,
3: but then he's like, I'm gonna rape all
5: all these women that we captured it's yeah. like, Oh, how's that sex like? That's just she's his like, culture, I guess. That's I his, love that. Yeah. That's his culture, I guess, but I don't yeah.
0: know. She finds she finds a lot of strength and he kind of appreciates her for who she is. Mm and her inner strength. So yeah, they kind of end up being a little bit of a power couple. Yeah.
1: hmm Yeah. Does this show have the best opening titles of any show? Just the, like the map of the world and the, the theme song. Can, I'm going to
5: send, we, gonna send hey, you, or I'm actually Mel, Mel already sent you uh, a better version of the theme song. Yeah, so you I play totally right did.
3: Now. I totally did. It's <laughs> so great. Open that up. I can't play. wait.
5: Do it. <laughs> It's the best um, version of the theme song.
2: It is.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I want to open this sucker. now.
2: Will- As I say, I'm a sucker for maps. So
1: yeah, I liked it. Um, the only one I can think of is
4: like Sopranos. I mean,
0: these titles are iconic. Like it's been it's been parodied. It's been I'm gonna open this go up
5: for the the listeners so they don't work.
0: Okay. All right. All right, you play that then. We'll go we'll get back to Peter it. Ding, go ding, ahead. It's Peter just a rotating
5: ding, thing of Peter Dinklage.
4: <laughs> it gets better though he starts singing the high notes like, later
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay but uh, have you seen parks and rec uh i've,
4: I've seen Not one episode of it, yeah. i can't
5: remember the opening
0: oh okay because there's a <laughs> there's a much better parody of the parks and rec opening
4: Job of the heart, job of the heart, job of the hut, job of the heart, job of the hut, job of the hut, job of the
1: hut, job of the hut, job of the hut, job of the hut, the hut, job the hut. I did note that Peter Dinklage is not listed first in the credits. Sean Bean is listed, and then Mark Addy, and then the whole list of characters. Uh Peter Dinklage is very last. He's He's uh, got an and, and Peter Dinklage. That's also a distinguished, distinguished yeah. spot. It, in credit. it is, but, uh, you know, that's, he wins, he wins an Emmy for this season, right?
4: So good. Is that correct?
1: Uh, he's so a,
3: good in this, though. Like, he's really good.
1: Yeah, he gets top billed yeah. every season after this. Oh, that's weird.
2: <laughs> well, the, uh, and Peter Dinklage is, as, as was said, that's uh, specialty billing. There's mm. uh, That's basically second billing.
0: Yeah. Well, I think he probably has the best character. Like, he's also very rare in that he gets to go everywhere in the show. He gets to go to the Wall. He gets to go to Essos, where Danny is. Mm -hmm. Winterfell, King's Landing. Like, he's he's everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He also gets the best lines. I think he's got some great one-liners.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's the most fun. Like, you want to hang out with that guy.
1: (laughs) It is true what they
7: say about the Northern girls. (laughs)
8: Did you hear the kings in Winterfell?
7: I did hear something about that.
8: The queen and her twin brother, they say that he is the most handsome man in Seven Kingdoms. the other brother? The queen has two brothers. There's the pretty one. And there's the clever one. Mm. I hear they call him the imp.
7: I hear he hates that nickname.
8: Oh, I hear he's more than earned it. I hear he's a drunken little lecher, prone to all manner of perversions.
7: Clever girl.
8: We've been expecting you, Lord, to, in Have you? Already.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the gods gave me one blessing.
7: <laughs> Don't get up. Should I explain to you the meaning of a closed door in a whorehouse, brother? You have much to teach me, no doubt. But our sister craves your attention. She has our cravings, our sister.
8: A family trait. Now, the Starks are feasting us at sundown. Don't leave me alone with these people. I'm sorry. I've begun the feast a bit early.
7: And this is the first of many courses.
8: (laughs) I thought you might say that. But since we're short on time... Come on, girls.
2: (laughs) See you at sundown.
8: Close the door.
2: Well, I don't think there's a lot of women who would like to hang out with him unless they're getting
1: paid. There are. He had four women (laughs) in bed with him at once. That was. (laughs) Yeah, as
2: I say, unless they're getting paid.
3: (laughs) And he does pay them.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, Lannister always pays his debt. Um, this episode had location titles for, uh, Pentos and Winterfell. That's, uh, unique to episode one. They dropped that after this. I just...
0: Yeah. And you know what? I wish they had dropped it from the Blu-ray that I have. I feel like that would have been a nice thing to do, because obviously if you have the Blu-ray, you are committed to watching the entire thing, and you probably have, like, a little paper insert with the map, like, you synopses, like the whole packaging, the Blu-ray is like family trees and like all kinds of, you know, resources for you. It's necessary. I think if you're on television to have, have that kind of extra help, but you got the Blu-ray, they could have taken
2: that out. I I thought it made sense in the pilot episode to have, you know, because they're introducing all these, these places.
1: And they, they do the same thing with the characters. There's a lot of exposition, you know, I want to introduce you to my twin brother, you know, mm-hmm. our father, uh, your mother, mm-hmm. a lot of exposition.
0: Right. And Arya, you could hear her saying to Sans, that that's Jamie Lannister, the Queen's twin brother. Shut up, yeah. <laughs> Arya. <laughs> it's like, yes. thank you, Arya, oh, for that little exposition. Where's I, the I other found, brother, the imp?
3: I found there was a lot of exposition horrors as well.
0: <laughs> well, that's kind of a thing that happens a lot in the first season is that yeah. the sex position <laughs> is.
3: Yeah, for sure.
0: Right. I mean, it, it there's a lot of heavy lifting that has to be done with this pilot. Yeah. And this is the second version of the pilot that they filmed. There's a pretty infamous first version that probably we're never going to get to see, which I think is a real shame because mm. even if it is terrible, I think as a point of comparison and like history, it would be great to be able to see that. Yeah. But My understanding is that it tested very, very poorly with audiences and it was very lead in with exposition. So they went back, they retooled it, they recast, uh, Lady Stark and... Danny. Yeah, they recast Danny. Um, so they, Mm. this version of the pilot is the improved version of the pilot. And as a book reader, like, I think even the first pilot would have made sense to me. But so it's hard for me to watch this and, and know, like, does it make sense to somebody who's not familiar with it? Are they able to follow it? Um, tough to say because I can't distance myself. I, I already know all the characters, so it's easy for me.
1: Yeah, so, I, I, will, I will say that's... they introduced twenty-six named characters. I was keeping account. count. Hmm. I think twenty-seven if you count Hodor, but they never really introduced him. He was just sitting there.
5: That's more than twi- that's more than the pilot of Twin Peaks, which I think was like twenty-one or twenty-three or something.
1: Mm.
0: And the thing about Twin Peaks, of course, is that it takes place in our world, and this is a fantasy world with different locations, and you don't know the rules of things, and there's a whole complicated backstory uh with Ned and Robert and the, you know, the Targaryen family of, like, understanding, like, at what point who was married to whom, and who was going to get married, and who died, and, you know, Ned's... Sister was going to marry Robert, and like all, just like all the houses, like there's a lot that has to be covered, and mm-hmm. I can completely understand that somebody would watch this and be totally lost and totally like I cannot figure this out. I must be stupid. I better stop watching it. It's like mm-hmm. no, it's there's just a lot that has to be covered. Like just there is stick, a
4: lot. If
0: you I, just stick I, with I, it, I, you know it, it, You'll get you'll get get it.
2: <laughs> I'm close enough to to um, having just watched it um and the you know and remembering my feelings on the pilot and everything um i would say that the exposition and everything is needed that they do uh for someone to understand it that doesn't know this world um i did not think that it was um ununderstandable or anything like that i think i think they actually did a a good job on on making it understandable to someone who who doesn't I mean, they're still going to be confused, but you get the basic characters. You get that there's some kind of kingdoms and and all that stuff. Um I remember being like eh, a little overwhelmed with it, but figuring, OK, you know, it'll come out in the wash. We'll figure it out, you know, as you go. But um I think that exposition is definitely needed. And I think you can I think you can understand it the way it's done, the way the pilot is done. I think they actually did a very good job. A it a it's a freak.
7: It's a direwolf.
8: So foul beast. There are no direwolves out of the wall. Now there are five. You want to hold it. Where will they go? Their mother's dead. They don't belong down here. That's her a quick death. They won't last without their mother. Right, give it to you. No! Put away your blade. Take orders from your father, not you. Please, father. I'm sorry, Brad. Lord Stark. There are five pups. One for each of the Stark children. The direwolf is a sigil of your house. They you were meant to have them.
6: You'll train them yourselves, you'll feed them yourselves,
8: and if they die, you'll bury them yourselves.
1: One of the things I appreciate with the, the exposition, that's kind of unintended exposition, is when they stumble across the uh, direwolf pups, you know, because they, they mention that direwolf is the sigil of um, the Starks, and oh, hey, there's six of them, one for each um, Stark child, and oh, a- um, yeah, the five I- and the the runt, the little runt. The- yeah. Um and it you know the direwolf was fighting a stag and they they both slaughter each other and if you know the stag is um the sigil for Baratheon so already you're kind of setting up this symbolism that these you know these otherworldly animals you know the direwolf is um uh is kind of setting up this conflict and without even really trying to to make a point to it like all the other exposition.
0: Yeah, there's some layering there that's happening. Mhm. They definitely thought about about it. And I was actually surprised watching this how expensive it looks despite being just the first season cuz my my memory of it is that it it you know the show now looks very lush. But even then it looks really good.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's got wow. Yeah, no, I I was absolutely impressed with the uh, with how it looks as far as the the sets and
0: yeah, I love that throne room set. It's very pretty. Where this uh, after John Aaron had been uh, laid to rest, well, not completely laid to rest. I guess he was uh, being viewed. I don't know what's the proper term.
2: He was lying in state.
0: Lying in state. So like that set was very impressive, and the CGI of showing King's Landing in the background, like it looks, it looks super cool. The Winterfell set looks a little bit like. The kind of set you'd see on a Saturday afternoon watching Xena or Hercules. Not quite as bad, but it definitely reminded me of that. Like this looks like a village. Or like Pylea from Angel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what what do you think of the costuming? Do you do you have opinions on the uh, costuming? They all look very nice. Very nice. <laughs> yes. I, even the you know, the costuming in Winterfell and the hairstyles in Winterfell compared to the costuming and hairstyles of the the Lannisters that come up. I mean, that there's stark contrast between the two and no pun intended. I, yeah. I, I really appreciate that.
2: <laughs> yeah. I thought they did do a really nice job of creating the different, the different societies. And you can, you can tell who's who pretty, pretty easily. And with such a large cast and such a large number of different cultures that you're, introducing all at the same time you know that's a feat
0: Tyrion's wig not great I will say <laughs> and I just want to go back and say that I think maybe my favorite main titles are currently and shall ever remain carnivals
5: <laughs> <laughs> I still I still like Twin Peaks
0: <laughs> but um yeah these are these are great I said before that they're iconic and I love how in subsequent episodes, the map changes. It's always a thrill watching as a viewer for them to reveal a new location on the map. Going, oh, cool! We're going to go to that place. Like, what is that? What are you know? Oh, that's very exciting that's- to see that it it constantly
2: evolves. That's cool.
1: Yeah, so. it does. And um, they'll change the sigil to the different uh, locations depending on who controls the locations. So just to give you give you uh, just an insight into what's going on politically.
0: Right. Which, and they said that they did this opening as a way to sort of educate the audience about the geography of the world. I find that that's probably not really efficient because it's, it goes by so quickly. Like, can you really look and see, like, oh, like where King's Landing is in relation to Winterfell? Like, I feel like you would kind of know that already based on the show, but I like that they're thinking about it. Like, there's so much thought behind it. I appreciate that.
2: I would, I would imagine that they're used, that they are now used to the idea that people are going to record this in some fashion, and if they care enough about where these things are located, they're going to record it and play it slowly. Um, you know, there was. Could
0: be, but if you care that enough, you find a map online. So I don't know how helpful helpful it would be to be watched to see this map, especially since this is not my observation, but characters in this world move at the speed of plot. So Mm -hmm. sometimes they will be like seemingly like an ocean apart, but then all of a sudden they're near each other in the next episode. And You're like, well, that doesn't make sense because if it took them, these other characters a month to go from A to B, how did these people get from C to D in like a fraction of the time? Like it doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't hold together, but that's okay.
2: Yeah. That's Yeah, that's one of those um, suspension of disbelief things.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, it's... Um, I really like. Lo- whose wig were you just talking about? I don't know that per- uh, That character's name. That
0: Peter Dinklage plays Tyrion Lannister, oh. so he's got this blonde wig on that doesn't look quite great. <laughs> oh, okay. They, they sort of allow his more natural hair to, to come in in later seasons, and it just looks better. But it was kind of like a point... In the premiere, to make sure that everybody understands that Jamie, Cersei, and, and Tyrion are all Lannisters, they all have blonde hair, so it was they're they're they had them wearing wigs to make them pretty obvious that they're siblings.
8: You worry too much; it's starting to show. And you never worry about anything. When we were seven, you jumped off the cliffs at Castle Rock, a hundred foot drop into the water. You were never afraid.
1: There was nothing to be afraid of until you told father.
8: Lannisters, Lannisters don't act like fools.
6: What if Jon Arryn told someone?
8: But who would you tell?
4: My husband.
8: If you told the king, both our heads would be skewered in the city gates by now. Whatever Jon Arryn knew or didn't know, it died with him. And Robert will choose a new hand of the king, someone to do his job while he's up fucking boars and hunting whores. Was it the other way around?
1: And life will go on.
8: You should be the hand of the king.
1: That's a none I could do without. that days are too long. The lives are too short.
0: That was the other thing. Like I, I was wondering how obvious it was to a new viewer, a non-book reader, that Jamie and Cersei were brother and sister. I know they say it a couple times.
2: A couple times, yeah.
0: But... I remember it
2: being clear when okay. I when I saw it um, the first time. So you because... got that
0: it was incest at the end. Yes.
2: Okay. I remember. I remember very specifically getting that it was incest.
0: I guess yeah. that's from the original pilot. That was another complaint that surfaced was that people were not sure that they were brother and sister.
2: They say it a bunch of times. Okay. Um, yeah, they do yeah. say it a bunch. Of... I might have. I might have thinking about it i might have kind of said wait a minute aren't they brother and sister you know yeah. or been kind of wait wait huh and right and right had to kind of think about it like wait a minute did i have that wrong or huh yeah can you might second
0: have... guess yourself because they're having sex and you're like wait i thought they were brother and sister
2: right. and you're like yeah. and then you're
4: like oh and
2: i think when i watched the second episode I was like, okay, oh, all right. That yeah, they are. Okay. Oh boy. All right. You
4: know, <laughs> it's
2: kind of kind of was one of those things where it was it was like set, as you say, second guessing yourself and then and then having it confirmed, I believe, in the second episode. Like kind of looking for that that particular piece. And um as I recall, they make it clear that yes, if especially if you're looking for it. That yes, that's they are brother and sister and that's the problem
1: <laughs> i want to give a, give a shout out to uh sean bean as uh ned stark i, I think uh perfectly casted uh as, you know from his role in lord of the rings uh, he just fit fit the mold so well and uh I, I don't know if anyone has any bad things to say about about the character
2: no i it's no, he came off The Starks come off very well. They they come off as kind of the the hero family.
1: Absolutely. What about What about Sansa? I, I was feeling some uh Vita vibes. Sen- Vita. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she's Sansa. better than She's
5: better than Vita, no, though. No, she's not. I want to marry him and be a princess and then be queen. Her. I
0: want
8: to marry this awful awful boy. With
0: this oh, and you could tell he's awful with that sneer. Oh, that yeah. smirk. I thought that the um, famous Tyrion slaps Joffrey oh, thing happened this episode, man. and I was very disappointed that it didn't. No, it did. Oh. He slapped just... him
2: twice. In this episode? Yeah. Did I tune out? I love Wait a it. minute. It's what? Near the huh? stage, right? what are we talking about here? Slapping uh,
1: Joffrey. Yeah, the the dwarf slapping his uh, his young oh. nephew. Oh,
2: That just <laughs> happened in the first episode.
5: Must be the second
2: episode, yeah. Yeah, I don't think so.
0: I thought it did too, because it yeah. seems like they're leaving. But yeah, it is.
5: I'm... he slaps him because he because Joffrey wasn't going to go pay his respects to
1: Lady Star. Oh, Stark. yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. Yeah. I'm wrong. But yeah, <laughs> that's right. a that's a great scene.
0: <laughs> the slap that launched a thousand gifts. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I felt like I felt like the the daughter that you know was like, oh, and I want to be a queen and all of that stuff. I, you know i mean that is pretty much the way girls are still raised uh, <laughs> uh the whole you know princess thing has been very popular these last few years um <clears throat> so i just felt like it was more okay she's they've they've they have uh, successfully created the um the girl that you know they're supposed to raise right the one that wants to make a good marriage and is going to, you know, um, you know, not care about whether he's a good guy or not. Just you know, what is his position? Am I going to be queen? Everybody likes Arya better, though.
5: <laughs>
0: uh, well, I, yeah, but I think that's easy. Like everybody yeah. likes the tomboy, the plucky one, right? Everyone likes the one that has a little more agency. And yeah. I love, I love how yeah, she it's is Sansa. Tom- Sansa's a doormat,
5: but I love, I love how she is the tomboy. But and she's always like people are always calling Arya a boy. And she she always is quick to correct them. Oh, I'm a girl.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. So
1: if Sansa's the Vita of this, uh, is Lady Stark the uh, Mildred? Is she she willing to do anything for her children?
0: When is- Lady Stark opens that chicken and waffles franchise, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh, a lot of parallels there. Uh, two
1: fucking chickens.
0: <laughs> they make her unlikable because she's makes a face at Jon Snow, her the bastard child. And it's like, we like Jon because Jon likes Arya. We like Arya because is the plucky, young, like, tomboy. And she likes Jon, and Jon likes her, so we like Jon. And then we see Sa- uh, Lady Stark not liking Jon. We're like, ugh, what's with her? What's with this bitch?
2: Well, <laughs> he is a symbol of, what of infidelity, if- yes. Yeah, however he came to be, you know, as... Oh. And, and the people in this
0: world feel like bastard children are, like, tainted with the whatever bad impulse that led to the adultery must have rubbed off on the child. Like, the child was con- conceived in sin, therefore the child is sinful. You know, one plus one equals two. Uncle
8: Benjamin. I <laughs> oh, you got bigger? <laughs> Road all day didn't want to leave you alone with the Lannisters. Find you at the feast? Lady Stark thought it might insult the royal family to seat a bastard in their midst.
4: Well, you're always welcome on the wall.
8: No bastard was ever refused to sit there. So take me with you when you go back. John. Father will let me if you ask him. I know he will.
4: The wall isn't going anywhere. I'm ready.
8: to swear your oath. don't understand what you'd be giving up. We have no families. None of us will ever father sons. I don't care about that. You might, if you know what it meant. I better get inside.
6: Rescue your father from his guests. We'll
8: talk later.
7: Your uncle's in the night's watch.
8: You doing back there?
7: Preparing for a night with your family. I've always wanted to see the wall.
8: You're Tyrion Lannister, the queen's brother.
7: My greatest accomplishment. And you, you're Ned Stark's bastard, aren't you? Did I offend you? Sorry. You are the bastard, though.
6: Lord Edit Stark is my father.
7: Lady Stark is not your mother, making you a bastard. Let me give you some advice, bastard. Never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not. Wear it like armor, and it can never be used to hurt you.
8: What the hell do you know about being a bastard?
7: All dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes.
2: Also, there's, there's another factor. I mean, one of the things that's always been, we're dealing with, we're still dealing with royalty here. I mean, it's the game of thrones. And, uh, Jon Snow, it is possible for Jon Snow to be a threat to her children, um, achieving, um, achieving the throne because, you know, he, he could claim, um, claim a place even though, Usually, um, faster children were not allowed to do such things, but they were always kind of I don't in think the Like a wild
5: card, is
0: what
2: I don't, just-
5: I don't think she's worried about him claiming anything. She just doesn't like looking at him because he reminds her of Ned's unfaithfulness. Pretty
2: much, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, as I say, there's... Yes, absolutely. But there is another factor in that um, he's older than... Where does he sit as far as the uh the age of the kids? I don't think it matters when he's, he's the a oldest bastard. but he's a
3: bastard so it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah.
2: All okay. they would all have to because, die before he got it.
3: <laughs> because when they talk about uh the um the Lannister kids having uh taking over for the throne, well, you know, Ned was going to ruin all of that by saying they're not Baratheons, they're Lannisters, you know. Like, mm-hmm. just pure Lannisters, and that makes them bastards, and then they can't take claim to, the you know...
0: Yeah, I don't know if if Carol got that, so I guess that's a good question. Like, did you realize that the Joffrey, the prince character, that her fa- his father is actually the queen's brother? That's kind of the mystery of the first, uh, first um, season, but it's a little bit obvious.
2: Wait a minute. I... <laughs> Okay. The... Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's not. <laughs> well, no, wait a minute. I, I, I thought it was... Wait a second. I I mean, I thought I had it pretty well figured out, but what you just said made me like, huh?
0: Well, there's the... fewer branches on the family tree is what I'm saying. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> okay. So you have the queen mm-hmm. and uh, the queen and her brother.
0: Yes. Yeah. They're stooping. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Stoop. And you said... And we established that back when. So was there something else that you just said?
0: Yeah, they have a son by incest. That's the prince. They have all three children
1: by incest.
2: Oh,
0: right, but you don't really see much of the other two.
2: Oh. Um, so, oh. So do we know that, I mean, does the king know that they're? No. Does he think they're his kids? Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: It just got complicated dot 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 it's just kind of complicated <laughs> uh,
2: i didn't know that the king's kids weren't hit yeah no, they're not it's a whole big, neither does it, he it's a big it's a whole big plot point okay that's not made clear in the first couple episodes is it
5: no mm, no it's a, it's a mystery that ned starts investigated investigating um so uh what um how like I guess spoilers. I guess, but how does Ned figure it out? Just because they have blonde hair? Was there any other evidence? Yeah, there was some.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much it. <laughs> I was gonna say like, yeah, there's a little more to it, but no, it's pretty much it. He um, so
1: Ned started investigating why John Aaron died, and John Aaron died in that first episode. Right. Mm-hmm. He and like so,
0: retraces John's steps, right, and kind yeah. of like finds the blacksmith's son and the blacksmith looks just like robert and he's like yeah. oh that guy just like just just like uh, my friend robert oh that's weird because his other kids don't look anything like him.
3: <laughs> mm. <laughs> da, da, da.
0: <laughs> and then he finds a book that talks about the baratheons and and every baratheon has brown or black hair mm. and it's like well this is really weird isn't it like <laughs> yeah where these blonde kids come from
1: yeah, hmm. a lot of a lot of bastards in this world. A well, lot we, of uh...
5: <clears throat> I, I would have just assumed that the blonde hair came from his wife. You know <laughs> that could <Right>. happen.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just because somebody's got—I mean, my kid's father has dark brown hair and dark brown eyes, and he instead looks like me. He's got blonde hair and he's pale and all of that. Mm.
0: But I guess what kind of confirms this? It's like it starts as a suspicion, and what confirms it is. The fact that Jon Arryn was killed, and also the Cersei Lannister certainly acts really cagey all the time. And I think he confronts her, and she like doesn't deny it. So
2: mm. okay, anyway, political
0: that's- intrigue there. Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah.
2: It yeah. I I hopefully they they are a little do a little bit better than oh they've got blonde hair and that's suspicious.
0: You know, I don't know if they do. <laughs> I honestly can't remember.
1: <laughs> I, I think at some point it, it just becomes mute because, you know, other things happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, we'll point out one shot uh, that I did not see initially, like uh, the the framing of it. Um, it's when Ned and Kat are, you know, Lady Stark is in their bedchamber. And they're discussing whether he should accept the role of Hand of the King and go south to uh, King's Landing. But um, uh, Meister Lewin comes in. <laughs> and so the, there's three of them there. So Ned's framed in the center with Cat on one shoulder and Lewin on the other shoulder, kind of like the angel and devil. And they're uh-huh. they're discussing back and forth the reasons why he should, why he shouldn't. And Ned's just standing there, you know, not saying a word, really just taking it all in. But I, I found that shot really interesting. And, um, I, I had not noticed that before.
0: Yeah, that's, it stood out to me this time as well. I, I love bringing him, like letting us see all the gears turning in his head. And he's, as he weighs things, his obligations towards his family versus his obligations toward the realm. I'm a Northman. I belong here with you, not down South in that
8: rat's nest. They call it the capital.
6: I won't. Let him take you.
8: King takes what he wants. That's why he's king. I'll say, listen, fat man, (laughs) you are not taking my husband anywhere. He belongs to me now. Mm -hmm. How did he get so fat? He only stops eating when it's time for a drink.
4: <laughs> it's Meister Lewin, my lord.
8: Send him in. Pardon, my lord, my lady. A rider in the night from your sister. Stay.
6: This was sent from the Erie. What is she doing at the Erie? She hasn't been back there since her wedding. What news? She's fled the capital. She says John Aaron was murdered. By the Lannisters. She says the king is in danger.
4: She's fresh widowed,
6: cat. She doesn't know what she's saying. Liza's head would be on a spike right now if the wrong people had found that letter. Do you think she would risk her life? Her son's life? if she wasn't certain her husband was murdered
1: Yeah and for a character like Ned he internalizes everything anyway so you need these external characters to tell what he's thinking like kind of narrate in his head
5: Did any I of you play that, Oh sorry.
1: Yeah, uh, I thought that was very well done.
5: Did any of you play the Telltale series of Game of Thrones?
0: No. Telltale games? I played part of the first episode.
5: Why didn't you continue? <laughs>
0: I just don't like the telltale games, oh okay, yeah,
5: thought, of course,
0: you are like the opposite of what Matt liked <laughs> I
5: thought it was very <laughs> I thought it was very interesting to have this entirely new family that you know nothing about inserted into the Game of Thrones story, and you get to control their destiny, basically, the Forrester family. I think they're mentioned once in the books, maybe, but uh, yeah, they've got just as much complicated stuff going on and all the different family members and stuff and and uh yeah it's it's really cool i think any game of thrones fans should check it out
0: Uh, yeah i i've heard that it was one of their better ones and i don't did it ever get a conclusion or was it another like oh it did okay i thought maybe it had been unresolved
5: no it got five episodes i think
0: nice okay
5: i'm sure there was a cliffhanger at the end and
0: if that was on my vita i'd take it with me on my cruise next er, not next month but in two months
5: is it it's is it not on Vita? I don't, I don't probably
0: know. not. I know that the Walking Dead one was, but then they never finished releasing uh, episodes to it.
5: Walk, so. I know Walking Dead is, and um, the other one there, the Fables
1: one, Wolf Among Us, that's also on Vita. So the other scene that I I, I liked upon uh, second viewing uh, is when uh, Tyrion's in bed with the four whores, right, mm-hmm. and uh, Jamie Jamie leaves. He leaves the door open, and Tyrion yells out, Close the door! <laughs>
8: <laughs> Close the door! <laughs>
1: and I won't say why that's uh, that's humorous, but I, I found it very... I was laughing out loud. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I
0: do like the relationship between Jaime and his brother. Cersei hates Tyrion, resents him, because, well, she says that he killed their mother when by, he was birthed, the... the the, the birth killed their mother, therefore it was his fault as a, yeah. as an infant. Um, and then she used to tease him and call him deformed and what, what not. But Jamie doesn't feel that way. Jamie like loves his brother and, and I like Jamie for, for that. The yeah. father Tywin
3: feels the same way. He's like, You killed my wife, basically. Like yeah. I
5: don't like you. <laughs> Jamie Jamie really turns around. He's like very unlikable and despicable in this first season.
0: Well, he pushes a child out of window. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, the my favorite line of the episode's Tyrion's talking to Jon Snow about being bastards, right? And uh he says all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes.
4: hmm uh,
1: gives a little insight to what kind of character his father is. You, you don't even meet him in this episode, but you already know at yeah. least uh, their relationship. And he also gives them the advice to like wear it as a
5: badge of honor, basically, and
1: then it can't be used against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I
3: talk about an interesting prosthetic trivia thing that I heard about the first
1: season? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I know where this is going, but go ahead. <laughs> um,
3: so apparently, you know, when Tywin is like skinning that deer,
4: Yes,
3: that's a real deer. I didn't know that. Yes, crazy, yeah. right? But then when Hodor shows up naked, that's a fake penis. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: where I thought you were going. <laughs> <laughs> but it's
3: so interesting how you would be like, "Hey, you, let's use a real deer, but like Hodor needs a fake penis." <laughs> like,
5: because <laughs> well, they wanted? I think they wanted. It <laughs> they really to,
3: wanted it to be like they out wanted there. to
5: have that uh, that line about him being half giant or whatever. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. In the first episode with the uh, direwolf and the stag, that's both lying dead. The stag's a real stag that's been dead for several days at that point.
4: Crazy.
1: Yeah, so Mm. they... Stinky. mm. All right.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just, I was like, I had to talk about it because it was so, so strange. (laughs) Anyways,
0: moving on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I mentioned character count for this episode's 26 named characters.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, kill count. Uh, there's five kills, and that includes the two beheadings, right? Uh, and then I did a nipple count.
4: Ooh.
2: Oh, my. Hmm.
1: Did any, you any count guesses? nipples? Any yeah. guesses for, for nipple count? Did, Only...
3: did you include male nipples?
1: No, just, just the female nipples. Oh, oh, oh well, oh, that doesn't oh, seem long. right, Steve.
3: That's not
0: right. What about, like, if... Multiple shots or just per character? Like I, once per Danny, character.
1: Danny had two two different shots, so I okay. I included Danny's two. Did shots. you
0: did you count her when she was walking down the steps wearing that very thin dress and you could no, see her nipples through I her dress?
1: No.
3: Or what about what about if someone's wearing like yeah, just thin like like a like a guy walks in and he's wearing a thin shirt and his like, that, <laughs> like icicle nipples?
5: <laughs> Apparently, the actress who plays Danny refuses to do nude scenes now. I I.
0: I can mm. understand that. <laughs> well, she refused before and then ended up doing another one. Yeah. Mm.
1: She, she wanted to be in control of when...
0: Of when she does them. Yeah, yeah does that's it.
3: understandable.
0: And <laughs> thankfully, she gets a lot better I, as, as an actress. I, I don't like her in this pilot. I find her very wooden, but she becomes really good as the show goes on. Maybe it's just that she can't play demur, demur well She's not enough.
5: At, she wasn't good as Sarah Connor in the Terminator movie either. Oh yeah, maybe it just trip. takes
0: her takes her a little bit of time to grow into the part. Then I don't yeah. know. I, I, do I like, like her th- as Danny now. I yeah. have no problems with her now.
5: I do like the uh, foreshadowing of the uh, her immunity to fire and heat when she gets in the really hot bath. <laughs> it's too place.
2: hot, lady <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. Yeah, that is that's a nice touch. Yeah,
2: I just figured that was a character thing that uh, she just wasn't feeling anything. Yeah, she was so. You know, her brother's the worst.
5: No, she's uh, she's got immunity to heat and fire because she's like got pure Targaryen blood or whatever. So does
3: that mean her brother's not pure?
5: I guess I don't know what that means for her brother because yeah, he he definitely feels heat.
2: Mm. The um, you know, when you were saying about her performance and everything, you know, I don't know whether she's any good or not. You know, especially from this. First, um, this first episode. But I could see it being a really difficult role to play and be interesting in that you are, that basically her role is to just be a terrified, um, person who's being used, you know. It's, she doesn't have any agency. She has nothing, you know. So.
0: Right. And that's why I like her character so much, is because. Pretty much halfway through the season, she takes control of her own destiny, and it's like a real fist-pump moment, because you're like, yeah, finally, Danny, Get it, girl! (laughs) I don't know if you say, get it, girl, but you would, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I seem to remember her becoming more in charge of things. I don't remember much about it.
0: Let's go to Harold's feedback. As soon as I reopen the file. Or actually, why don't we... To Nutty's feedback from Facebook first, Melanie, you can read this one.
3: Yes, oh. I can. Oh. 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 It's
4: a long one. Okay.
3: Game of Thrones started out as one of the best adaptations I had ever seen. My now husband and I bonded over the books of A Song of Ice and Fire. Wiffle, we were dating. <laughs> She actually wrote "Wiffle." Wiffle. We were dating <laughs> when Game of Thrones came out. We were very excite- excited. Tex stopped watching after the Theon torture scenes, and I didn't. And he didn't come back. His complaint, I agree with. They just wanted to exploit violence just to be violent or shocking. Even in season one, things were less violent. That were less violent were made more. And at least two sex scenes were made into rape scenes in the series, and another rape was added—a rape of an underage person. Not to mention how almost every sex scene has to be guy behind. Why is that, HBO?
2: <laughs> yeah, I was wondering that too.
3: Um Still, I watch and podcast about it. I love the show, but I know it's problems, and I won't be shy about pointing them out. The show and the books are now in such different directions that they are now two separate stories, which is funny considering how dead on it started. I'm not sure I would still be watching if I didn't podcast about it, but I'm looking forward to the
0: final season. It's not that long. She said, I love the show. I won't be shy about pointing out its problems, but I love the show. So I feel like she would be watching even if she wasn't podcasting about it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm. I
3: mean, it's not like there's no perfect show out there. Like every show has its problems.
0: Right. Well, okay. Um,
3: (laughs) (laughs) Were you thinking about that? Is there a perfect show that I know
0: of? <laughs> well, I, yeah. I mean, I could start a whole conversation about like the television is by its very nature imp- imp- imperfect because it's not just one person's point of view. It, you know, you there's could, so many people could, who could shape it. The director, the editor, you could write the a thesis. Actors, about like there's a it's a room of writers. Like, like if yeah. you want a very pure work of creative, you know, fiction, whatever, you, you read a novel.
4: <laughs> yeah
0: television is not that television is a collaborative medium. But I was like, I, so, could, I could go down this whole road. So
3: you talk about a writer, like there's no person that's perfect either. So I mean, but at least
0: it's, if, if you are the author and you have a one certain singular vision, vision and like, it's, um, and you don't let anyone sort of, even maybe you have to self publish if that's the case. Like maybe, no, maybe a publishing house won't take it unless you change this or that. But right. like television is definitely not that like, no, whole stories can change because an actor t- wants off the show, yeah, right, yeah. so yeah, there's no perfect show, no, but
1: no, so the notes about the the novels uh the first novel in the series match closely with the first season um season two takes parts from the second uh and the third books, and then after that it's it's um it's all over the place, I mean, and at this point in the t v series they've surpassed. Where the books are. So everything we're seeing now. Is, is new. Um, we don't have any basis. Uh, uh, written basis for.
3: You know what I think the show does better. Than the books though. Is the whole like. Representing male gay relationships. As opposed to the books. Where like George R.R. R. Martin was like. Kind of skirting around it. Didn't want to describe it at all. But then he would always describe lesbian sex scenes. Like just you know. Like almost. To like too much, like just like all, like really descriptive, and I thought that was like a little bit self-serving. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't think I quite got that. Loris and Renly were gay, and in the books,
3: no, you. It's just kind I, of like it just hinted at,
0: right? Yeah, and maybe it would have come more to the forefront. Yeah, but it was definitely made abundantly clear. In the show, but some people yeah. would say that that's less nuanced because they really put a fine point on it. I'm yeah, not-
3: but why why nuance the male the male gay relationship, and then the, anything that's like lesbian is like really described all the time. Like there's several I can think of several times that in the books they described lesbian sex scenes.
4: Hmm. You know, mm-hmm.
3: like it was never it was ne- he was never shy about describing those. You do yeah. know, what I mean? like. I, I just find that that's kind of a problem in a lot of um, media, I guess, that they're, like, always shy away from male-gay relationships and, you know, not as much for, like, female-gay relationships. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah it's a common problem. Yeah. And the female-lesbian relationships very often are not very close to It's It's gay. more like male-gay kind of thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's done strictly for male um, fantasies. Yeah.
0: Okay. I'm going to post Harold's feedback here and ask Matt to read this one.
4: <clears throat> uh,
0: that Scroll it?
2: up.
4: Yeah.
5: Oh, okay. I thought this checked off all the boxes that you look for in a pilot. It established characters and locales and it initiated multiple plots. Was it perfect? No. I yawned <laughs> a few times and I had one of those 2019 me too cringe moments during the wedding scene when some writer thought it would be cool to have women of color gleefully line up to be gang-raped. Conversely, I got a 2019 chuckle in the next episode when Ned Stark threatened to throw Aquaman back into the sea. (laughs) (laughs) Cool.
4: Uh, I only
5: only knew Peter Dinklage from The Station Agent, where he had kind of a dour role. This role was a lot more fun, and he was the clear star of the first two episodes. I also thought they did a good job casting the children. The sword fight practice scene gone wrong in episode two was my favorite scene of these two episodes. Overall, I can see why this became a huge hit for HBO. I give this nine direwolves out of ten. So he's never watched it, huh? Yeah, I didn't think so. Whoa, that's crazy. Continue watching. (laughs) Join the conversation. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, they they were very lucky. Well, I don't know how much luck had to do with it, but fortunate, shall we say, that they cast those kids very well.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, cast, casting is, you know, that's a an uh, art form all to itself. And um, yeah, when when people cast kid, especially cast kids, well, it, you know, you have to really kind of stand back and give them credit because because um, bad. Performances by kids are can be really common, and some people seem to and think painful. that painful well, painful, painful. Yeah, <laughs> and, well, aggravating because you yeah. know you'll get some kid that's supposed to be oh aren't they cute and they're just so obnoxious, hmm. and you know some people seem to think that obnoxious children. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I, that I, that, I that actress care. was really good though. She was yeah, yeah I know, yeah.
5: Um Speaking of Peter Dinklage, though, that he brought up Dinklage, like I,
0: Peter,
4: Dink- Peter Dinklage. <laughs> Peter Dinklage. Peter <laughs>
5: Dinklage. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I I often think about how he was cast in this and how well he was received and stuff, and how like a, a an actor who's a little person um probably often dreams of a role like this and they never get the chance. Like they're yeah. always typecast as elves. In yes. Christmas movies, yes. And all that. Which I mean, Peter <laughs> Dinklage, I think he was an elf. Yes, he was. Yes, more oh, yeah. than once, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like I thought maybe this would be like um, this would help you know act little people actors break out of that stereotype and you know get some more meaty roles and even Peter Dinklage was given uh, a role in uh, the second X Men reboot movie mm-hmm. uh, Days of Future Past. As a character who in the original comics was not a little person. So, like, they just gave him a role, basically. And the fact that he was a little person had nothing to do with it. But uh, I, I don't know if uh, that's going to continue after this show ends, if he's going to keep getting.
3: But that's these like that for. any
5: roles because yeah. he's a great actor. Or but it's like
3: that for any actor. Like, they, they will can be get in something popular. Well, yeah, they can be in something popular. And then, like, after that popular thing is done, they mm-hmm. don't get any more. Yeah, roles, I know. just
1: I That's, hope he doesn't go back yeah. to being typecast as an elf. <laughs> yeah. Did, uh, anyone see dinner or yeah dinner with Hervé? No, no, no. Um, it was um, a biopic on Hervé Velice, who what? Uh, was uh, what, Nick Nack,
2: uh, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, from James Bond, and um, uh, he- so he 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 plays the main character, the you know the titular character, and um, it it's a very I I imagine he had a very similar um, story, you know, growing up, going through the Hollywood system, Mm. um, trying to land roles and being typecasted for things. So, and and I know it was a very personal project for for Peter Dinklage. So, Mm. I that's cool. If you're ever interested in what that might look like, that uh, dinner with Hervé is it cool?
2: Nice. He was um, probably best known for. TV show with oh
0: Fantasy uh, Island the
2: bomb. yeah
0: yeah I had, i had heard about this project yeah
1: yeah is that a, that's not HBO that's uh or is that HBO it
2: could have been yeah what, Fantasy Island
1: no, um, <laughs> no dinner with her <laughs> okay, okay, so, sorry,
2: wait, this is long before HBO is it on
1: the list
0: uh no we're not covering movies I mean we we did though <laughs> we have so we could possibly make an exception
1: I I, I would recommend that. It is it is hard to watch. but uh...
0: An upcoming movie is called The Dwarf, and he plays the dwarf.
1: <laughs> What's that about?
0: A Machiavellian dwarf and a medieval Italian court brings the kingdom to the brink of ruin by manipulating the prince he serves. Hmm. Fun. Could be fun. Yes.
3: I need you, Ned.
6: Down at King's Landing, not up here where you're no damn use to anybody.
8: Lord Eddard Stark... I would name you the Hand of the King. I'm not worthy of the honour. I'm not trying to honour you. I'm trying to get you to run my kingdom while I eat, drink and haul my way to an early grave. Damn it, Ned, stand up. You helped me
6: win the Iron Throne, now help me keep the damn thing. We were meant to rule together. If your sister had lived would have been bound by blood. Well, it's not too late. I have a son. You have a daughter. We'll join our houses.
0: All right. I guess we can rate it.
1: Uh, I'll go first. Um, so it wasn't a perfect episode. I, I think we, we've all agreed with that. Um, but they, they introduced a lot of characters, a lot of locales, and um, a lot of expositions needed for that. I found the exposition to be a little cumbersome in some of the dialogue. um, So it kind of gets points deducted, even though it was needed. Um, It's still, uh, I would give it, um, I would give it a seven, seven out of 10. um, There is no word for thank you in Dothraki.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll go the opposite end of the spectrum. I think this is a pretty solid pilot. Hard for me to distance myself from the rest of the show and from the novels, but I think we cover a lot of ground here, and they did as good a job with the expo- exposition as they could. They, I felt like it was pretty natural, and they did things like with the costumes and the wigs to make it very clear, like what who what family member belonged to what family. Like I think it was pretty well done, subtly done. And it certainly looks expensive. And I like the Stark Kids a lot. There's a lot happening, a lot that's set up. Yeah. It's, it's such a, it feels like such a small start. Can you consider where, like, where the show goes and like just the scope of it? Yeah. But I, I think it's pretty damn good. So I'm going to give it, um, nine out of 10. I'm thinking here.
5: <laughs> well, one, it was your chance to be clever, Matt.
0: Think of something good. <laughs> Yeah.
3: Uh, the pressure's on, Matt. Don't
0: choke.
4: Choke. 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 choke,
0: choke, choke, choke. choke, choke. <laughs> um, yeah. Nine out of ten a masturbatory sword polishing scenes. <laughs> <laughs> when Ned was polishing that sword, I mean, come on.
3: <laughs> he was taking too much pleasure in polishing that
0: sword. He's, he sure was.
1: Yeah, and he goes out there a lot, according to his wife. You can always find him there.
0: She's like, I always feel like an outsider when I come into this place. Well, maybe because he's doing that.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh. uh, I really liked it. I really liked the show as a as a whole. From what I've seen, I've only watched up to season five. I need to catch up before the new season
3: oh man
0: matthew what are you doing yeah. with your life
3: it's uh what <laughs> happened was that we were downloading the show and then hbo kept sending me emails of like cease and desist yeah <laughs> downloading this show
5: there, there was no <laughs> there's no option available yeah at the time in canada for right. streaming hbo but now there is
4: yeah.
0: you gotta get a vpn to hide your internet ac- address so that you don't get those letters
5: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah we were too lazy <laughs> <laughs> um <sighs> But I vowed to, when the entire series is done and out on Blu-ray, I vowed to buy it because because it's only fair. We stole it for so long. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, I really I really enjoy the show, and the first episode's great. I think the exposition is all there, yes, but it's necessary. Um, and I will give it uh, nine out of ten. Um, death stares from your stepmother. <laughs> Would she be his stepmother? Yeah. Like, he he came into this already established marriage. uh, Yeah. uh, Into the home.
4: Yeah. Yeah, She's a stepmom,
3: for sure. I I like this episode, but I I keep thinking about if I hadn't read the books Mm. before I started watching the show, would I have been confused? Probably. I probably would have been confused. I feel like the book, reading the book really helped me along. I know, Matt, you didn't read the books.
5: Uh, I read one of them. Yeah. Oh, because I made you. Yeah, I can't remember remember which one it was. The first one. Was it? Probably. (laughs) Why would I make you start in the middle? I don't know. I only read the last Harry (laughs) Harry Potter book. (laughs) That's the best
0: one. I read Deathly Hollows. That was it. Bef- the before best- the show came out. I told my father he should read the first book. I said you only have to read like the first two hundred pages. If you don't like it past the first two hundred pages or two hundred fifty pages, like you don't have to keep going. Mm. But I figure like it it'll, it would give you enough of a background so right. when the show starts you won't be confused. And then he read it and he he said Matthew, can I keep reading? I'm
4: like, oh, yeah.
3: that's adorable. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I did, I did like this episode, but yeah, it's just, I've, it's a little bit, it's not as good as some of the later episodes, I guess, so I would give it a uh, 7 out of 10, uh, what was my, gonna be my rating gonna be? It's my, my turn to choke. Choke! Yeah, choke! 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 Oh, I just thought of a rating and then I forgot it. Okay, just come back later and I'll tell you my Alright.
2: Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh- Okay, I actually liked the episode. Um, I liked it the first time I saw it. I liked it this time. Uh, and uh, I agree that the exposition, there needed to be a lot of exposition in this thing. Otherwise, yeah, people who didn't know the books and stuff were going to be totally lost.
5: Yeah, I'm sure they, they I think they mentioned it a couple times, but apparently people still didn't know that those were brother and sister at the end.
2: I, yeah, I mean they do mention it a lot, um, but um, I I thought they did the exposition very well, and um, an exposition's really really hard to do. So um, and I did I did like quite a few of the characters, you know, by the end of the pilot, which is hard to do when you're juggling what was it twenty seven different yeah. characters. Yep. Uh, it's hard to to make sure you find any of them really interesting or likable or whatever but they managed to do that um as you say there's there's problems with it but uh so i'll go with um 8.5 out of 10 um violent orgy weddings <laughs> nice i have
3: a uh, i have my rating all right it's a uh, 7 out of 10 uh desperately needed 23 and me kits
4: It was worth it. (laughs) That's
1: pretty good. Um there are ten out of ten episodes in this series, so if if you really want to go through it, there there is definitely better better episodes to be seen. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It it only goes up from here.
0: All right. Well, do you want to know what we'll be talking about next time on the podcast? Yes, 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 yes. I alluded to it earlier, but we'll be talking about the pilot of luck. Oh, it's
4: the sorry,
0: horses. About a, it's about horses. All I know about, about that show about horse, horse racing.
5: racing. All I know about that show is they stopped making it because of animal cruelty or something.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah. Because animals kept dying. Oh my god.
3: I refuse to watch the show. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> too bad you have to. <laughs> um, the creator of the show is David Milch, who created Deadwood.
3: Oh, how interesting.
0: You'll have to hate-watch the show. So we'll have to see if it's better than John from Cincinnati.
3: Mmm. Should
0: be interesting. And then we'll be watching the first episode of The Newsroom.
4: Mmm. Mm. Can can
5: an Aaron Sorkin joint.
4: Oh. All right. can,
5: we watch, can we watch news radio with Dave Foley instead? <laughs> well, you, you can watch it, but not instead.
3: No. Oh. <laughs> we'll just talk about, like, news radio the whole time. <laughs>
2: Aaron Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin characters always. I I I like his shows, but I always feel like the dialogue for any character can just be exchanged with any other character. They all sound alike. Um, like in like in Whedon shows. No, not like in Whedon shows. you shows <laughs> can't change. Well, they always sound
3: all. alike in Whedon shows too.
2: No, they don't. Yeah, they <laughs> do. Yeah they do. <laughs> yeah, they do. I love you Whedon cannot, shows. I cannot...
3: have problems with Whedon shows. <laughs>
2: can't exchange the dialogue between Xander and Spike and have it make any sense whatsoever. Well, not
5: if they're talking about vampire-specific things, but they all talk the same.
1: There's a certain cadence to the writing.
5: For sure. Well, the newsroom
0: has some problems. And we'll get into it when we talk about the show. (laughs) Great. As always, you can find us at uh, Hoopacast.com, go on the internet. Search for Hoopalcast, You'll find the Facebook group. Go into Facebook. <laughs> find Hoople. <Hoopacast. laughs> oh, come on. I don't want to. Do I have to keep doing this every single episode? You guys, every, you know where to find this every, shit. Everyone needs You know it. where to find yes, it.
2: You have to do it every episode. All right. That's else. Okay. No, right, start
0: over. You can find us at Hooplecast.com. That's where I post episodes and links to discussion threads and show notes. Or you go to Facebook. You search for Hooplecast, you find our discussion group there. That's where we have discussion threads. We talk about HBO related things and Deadwood related things. Uh, you go on Twitter and find us at Hooplecast. I retweet Deadwood related things. I haven't done that in a while. Feedback is Hooplecast at gmail.com. Send us feedback. That's it. That's the spiel.
2: Nicely done.
0: Steve, thanks for joining us.
2: Yes, thank yeah, you. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Um, if you look uh, back in the feed, I did a bonus episode with Matt and Will. We played Deadwood
2: 1876.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> also, <laughs> yes. uh, I've got a Game of Thrones uh, role-playing game lined up. I'm going to be playing that before the new season comes out.
0: Fun. That's awesome. Fun. Nice. All right.
1: Baratheon or Bust. is that the name of the game
4: (laughs) (laughs) all
0: right cool all right yeah that game that we played the it's in the feed the podcast feed but better than that is a link to the video because i think to listen to it without seeing the actual cards being manipulated and things it wouldn't make any sense Mm -hmm. Mm, that's cool Okay. I'm still not sure it's riveting to watch and listen to anyway even if you watch the video. But
1: it's yeah, there. I, uh, I it's scrubbed there. to the end for for some of it. <laughs> and that's me who who was on it.
0: Yeah. Mhm. <laughs> it was a it was a fun thing that we did. Yeah, it was.
1: We also played the Deadwood RPG one time. Mhm. Oh, yeah. that's right, Deadwood. Yeah. RPG. <laughs> yeah.
2: It yeah. sounded like it was fun. I, I unfortunately was doing stuff that night and couldn't couldn't join you guys
0: we should we need to get together and do part two
2: yes
0: (laughs) we have to finish it is it gonna happen it's yeah we should make it happen okay maybe we should do it in april because i didn't want to really do any of like this main podcast thing in april because i'm going to be gone for the first two weeks but i wouldn't have to do any prep for that yeah Um, we wouldn't have to watch any of the shows
5: we'd have to re-listen
1: to the first one
3: yeah to remind ourselves what happened
1: yeah, someone's got to do a 60-second uh, recap of the whole first part.
0: <laughs> Steve, I feel like that's your job. <laughs> Otherwise, you're a chump.
1: You need to uh,
0: summarize all of that for us. Uh, re-listen to the episode, summarize it, and then let's plan on getting back together in April and doing that. Then we won't have to watch anything, or, and I won't have to really do any editing or anything. So that would be a good time to do that.
4: Yeah, okay. Cool.
0: <laughs> all right well thank you very much steve we have a signature catchphrase on this podcast to take ah! us our way uh would you like to give us our sign off
1: uh, i will gladly fuck you
3: oh my feelings <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we can't help it it's the catchphrase
3: <laughs> i know <laughs> it's my feelings every time
1: <laughs> <laughs> i like that it's from the very first scene of deadwood like it it, it's had the a lasting effect throughout the, the whole series and it was, beyond it was a great delivery
5: it's
3: very memorable
1: <laughs> it was
0: given as the sign off i believe in the very first podcast we did too like it, it's not something that matt came up with late in the run of the podcast it it was it right was an early thing
5: yeah, yeah. That, so great that that guy's uh death cry just had an effect on me <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's how you want to go i isn't want it? that to be
5: my final words too <laughs>
3: I'll be like tenderly holding your hand, like smoking (laughs) your. (laughs) You'll be like, fuck you.
4: (laughs) 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 Thanks, Matt. Thanks for making it memorable.
2: (laughs) Everyone will feel so sorry for you that, uh, that your husband is, you know, obviously. There was no love lost there. You must have had a terrible marriage. And you're like, no, no, that was one of the sweetest things.
4: She's like, no, it's from a
0: podcast. It's a whole thing as as they're putting her in the cop car. No, wait, let me
5: explain. It's from a podcast. Why why was I thinking of the podcast in my final (laughs) moments?
0: Because these are some of your finest moments.
4: Yeah. (laughs)
3: Your whole life flashed before your eyes And you were just like that's the best moment Fuck you (laughs) (laughs) Oh man That was good
8: They saw me out
5: I'll have to take dad's word He said I'm still a Stark But my influence is backwards Instead of honoring the watch All I found was a fat nerd Even
0: though I swore a no to the crows And join the free folk now now no moral code Is more like a clean joke No laughter I'm not one to say crass words But Egret knows I'm an oral master Just ask her Robert Like the former king Only harder The young wolf, renowned stop. I never liked to double-cross So with no
6: sense of justice or honor. I'll just have you slaughtered. Oh, you haven't heard? I was working on a massacre from Brat the Youngs to Greyjoys and Lannisters. Then I chose love over Walder's daughter. Now I watch over the
8: North like my father. My father.
4: to marry him and be a princess and then the queen